Hello everyone, it's Jay here, and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting. On this episode, we want to provide a content warning for potentially sensitive topics, particularly mention references to suicide. If this is a topic that is particularly difficult or triggering, please feel free to skip this episode and we will look forward to you joining us in our next episode. And now, without further ado, on this episode, we're reading Platinum End, written by Tsugumi Oba, illustrated by Takeshi Obata. Let's start! Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the episode, our first thing is to discuss our familiarity with the uh manga that we read this week uh i personally had not heard of platinum end until uh matt posted the trailer in the uh, it was either matt or jay one of you posted the trailer for the anime in the discord server and then it got on our reading list here uh it is by the creators of death notes so uh i do have familiarity with that at least having watched basically all of the anime write a little bit of the manga for platinum end in particular i am uh, basically completely new to it how about you jay what's your familiarity similar to sam i had not heard of this series before um it was matt who linked it into the discord chat and you know hyped it up and the fact that i similarly have watched a lot of death note okay i watched you know, all of Death Note, let's just put it out there. Read some of the manga, been a part of some of the memes, um, really just enjoyed that type of plotline. I felt very good coming into it that I would enjoy it. This is completely new to me. I never heard of it before. It was referenced that it was by the same creator as Death Note. Uh, how about you, Jake? I also am familiar with Death Note. I had watched all of the anime when it was coming out on Adult Swim back in the day. I have a fair chunk of the manga and have read it. So again, familiarity with the creative team behind this, but not really any knowledge base in Platinum End itself. You can see the uh, similar influences, though. There's a level of familiarity that if you know Death Note, then you're going to be able to slide into Platinum End pretty easily. Or at least I did. And Matt, you are the one who posted this in our Discord, but uh, what else do you know? So actually, as far as it goes, I'm probably not going to tread any new ground here. Uh, I really did like Death Note, but I also followed the creator's uh, other work, uh, Bakuman. That's really good. So I knew Platinum End came out and it was on my I should get around to looking into this. And then I noticed the anime had a trailer come out and I'm like, dang, I waited too long. Well, <laughs> going to put this on a reading list then. Uh, and now we're here. Yeah. Hooray. And here indeed we are. As you might expect from a creator who deals with pretty heavy topics, uh, we start off pretty heavy. We are at the graduation day of middle school. You know, kids moving on into the next stage of their lives, getting into high school. They've got bright futures ahead of them, except for our dear pro tycoon, Mirai, who... Um, despondently walks home, steals a snack, goes to the top of a high rise and yeets himself off of it. So, correction, uh, he thinks about stealing it and then puts it back. 
His, oh, uh, I, I thought he did. No, he puts it back on. The, here's the thing. I made that same mistake, too. <laughs> but, ah, okay. But he does put it back on the shelf after putting it in his pocket, but then puts it back on the shelf because he, he can't steal. That actually makes a lot more sense now in my brain. So uh, I'm glad you pointed that out. No, there's there's a lot of blink and you'll miss it moments in this, uh, just because that's one of the benefits you get with like a writer artist team that works so well together. Mm-hmm. Like the art can just tell stories about the character that isn't being explicitly like. Mm. Not that I'm saying this scene probably wasn't also written out, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you get nice little bonuses in the background of, like, everything. There's more visual foreshadowing because the writer and artist are on quite literally the same page, but also metaphorically. Mm-hmm. He uh, plummets towards the hard concrete below, but before he can uh, splatter, he's caught and pulled up from his uh, deathly dive by... Uh, an angel. Her name is Nisei. I did not trust her a wink for <laughs> about 70% of this reading. Oh, I love yeah. Na- I love NASA, even though I have absolutely no idea how her name is pronounced. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, wait, you trust her now? I understand, Sam, your frustration, but after <laughs> I did, it just grew on me to the point where I find it charming. How I described her like internally was she's like, and not human, but it's just such a words escape me, but just uh, a despot. Not a senate, like a cinnamon roll. Like she's super sweet, but still super. I can't even say naive because she's not. She's she's detached from human morality at a basic level is what it comes mm-hmm. down to. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I still don't trust her. I like her because I don't trust anything she says <laughs> or does. I assume that. <laughs> I feel like I can trust her, though, but she just doesn't have those human nuances to her. So it's like information in logical conclusion comes out like there's no is this morally correct or should I not do this? It's just the most logical sound reasoning. Is this getting me closer to my goal? Y or N? Yes. But anyway, we're we're jumping a little bit ahead because uh, she just gives me mad Cube vibes and I'm not about that. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of similarities between those characters, aren't there? <laughs> but anyway, uh, Q Angel Girl rescues suicidal sad boy from his plunge um, midway through and basically says, hey, I'm your guardian angel and I am going to give you a choice between unending freedom and unending love. Because you've clearly given up on life, very obviously, because I caught you midway through. I'm giving you a new chance to find happiness. And Mm -hmm. I have two options before you. I have these wings that can take you anywhere in the blink of an eye. Unlimited freedom beyond, like, any form of restriction. You could even steal things and get away with it, which is where everyone starts to not trust her. (laughs) (laughs) I think about it. You don't have to follow silly human rules. If you want it, it's yours. Exactly. And Mirai is just hanging there like, just let go so I can fall and die. What, can you give me both? Actually, yes, it's only optional that I presented both of those to you. I love Wait, this what? energy because it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah can, we, can we talk about this scene? Because this is definitely not how any other angel works. So I think this is just not so being weird. Yeah. I mean, that's like a snide, like a snide answer you would get like as a kid. And he's like, I want both. 
Good, that's the right answer. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, Mira is being very dismissive of it. It's like, give me both or drop me. I don't care. I don't want to be involved in this conversation. Okay, here you go. Wait, what? That was an option? Like, he, yeah. did, he legitimately did not think that he was going to get a yes from that. Which is kind of in the line because he, well... This is further in line, but he's obviously identified himself as somebody who's very straight laced and doesn't like breaking rules. And she is like the antithesis of rules, whatever gets you closer to what you want. Yeah. So he did something uncharacteristic and broke the rules and benefited him. And it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't actually mention uh, the other thing he got was um, red arrows that shoot out of his hand. And uh, if they hit someone, will cause them to fall in love with you. For 33 days, they will be totally, madly, slavishly in love with you. Which Nisei says, isn't that wonderful? And I went, distinctly, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I really like how um, we, every time the characters themselves refer to the red arrows, they always go like, yeah, it's basically perfect mind control. Like it's a shortcut. And every time we see it in practice, it's just like, no, this is not perfect mind control. Please do not assume that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more if you think of it, and they reference this in the in the mangas, Cupid's arrow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. um, we actually uh, is the first uh, thing we run into because um Mirai decides to use his wings and we get some really cool set dressing of him flying to the pyramids of Egypt and then the Empire State Building mm -hmm. in literally two blinks of an eye because they are infinitely fast. I think he also goes to um, the Eiffel Tower as well. Yeah, yeah all, so. the, all, all the cliche like landmarks. All, well, yeah, all the landmarks. We, we need to show a character circumnavigating the globe. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's almost literally a uh, I can show you the world moment because the beauty of planet Earth and his absolute freedom and being able to fly and see all of it cracks the calloused shell around his heart. Not all the way, not yet, but a bit. I'm beginning to see the light in life. Oh, wow, that's great. By the way, you want to find out about your aunt and uncle who are the reasons you killed yourself because they abused you? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, no, they uh, murdered your parents in an insurance scheme. What? what? <laughs> they're murderers? Yeah, they're bad people. You should murder them. What? By <laughs> and take the money back. After all, they technically stole it from you. Yeah. By the way, I also gave you a third thing you didn't know about. Oh, he doesn't even know about the white arrows yet. No, the white, the white arrow is not explained when it would be useful. Uh-huh. But uh, but yeah, uh, she Mirai's... drops that news, that news nugget on him. Mm -hmm. Mirai's living condition is pretty flippin miserable. Uh, he was once upon a time a happy young kid living a happy life with his sibling and his parents until all of them died in a fiery car wreck, except for him. And uh, he was taken in by his aunt and uncle, who seemed nice at the start until the life insurance money started pouring in. And then they began hideously abusing him, beating on him, uh, humiliating him, forcing him to basically live as a slave in their home. And then uh, the reason he was so despondent and ready to give up on life was because he wasn't even going to get a chance to, like, go to high school that his uh, aunt and uncle were going to force him to get a job and uh, forfeit all his salary to them. Mm -hmm. Well, he started working like in middle school, like essentially mm -hmm. as old as he could, as young as he could, they put him to work. 
Yeah. And I think like, it's even mentioned that, you know, they didn't even feed him. Like his only meals were at school. Were at school, yeah. Yep. Complete reprehensible people. Keep in mind that apparently they had two older children. Oh, yeah, who also yeah, his cousins, who also hideously physically and mentally abused him. I will say my one problem with the first chapter that I noticed is that this is a very like quick fairy tale, you know, bad setup, uh, which is fine because, you know, the story wants to move itself along. Mm -hmm. But like this happens so quickly that like when we get to the end of the um the end of the first chapter it's framed like the, it's this big moment of liberation because that's a little bit ahead i'm getting i'm a little bit out of order uh we should we should continue on to him, him confronting his aunt and uncle yeah i do agree that it is uh very wicked step parents though yeah. going going way beyond what you what you get in your average fairy tale they really had to set the tone that this is not you know a self-fulfillment type manga yeah. it's really like and, yeah and yeah yeah it's like this backstory like it's fine it's a manga character backstory um i guess i guess the point that i was trying to make is that like at the end of this chapter they try to wring some tears out of you and we haven't really we don't have enough time with this character mm -hmm. to really feel it and it's one of those ones where it's like I see some of the like death note creeping in where it's like you're trying oh. to you're you're trying to wring emotions you didn't quite earn there. There are yeah. there are places where it does this so much better that we'll get to, but um it it did feel a little thin in chapter one. Because we just met the guy. Yeah. And immediately he's given this opportunity to, you know, become this god. Character. I don't even think at this point it's even really fully explained to him. That hasn't, yeah, that hasn't been explained. He's been yeah. given godlike powers, but and, and why has not been established yet. By the way, your aunt and uncle are horrible people, and your entire life is like this whole life of debauchery and awfulness. Or it was all it was all on purpose. Yeah. Yes, there's someone to blame for your misery. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's maybe why it feels so thin to me. Well, it is because we don't even have an idea of like his personality, mm -hmm. any type of, well, his motivation. That's not yeah. really, really elaborated on. It um, is. Here's our protagonist. He by the way, his life is awful. Yeah. <laughs> you do need to establish the story in the first chapter, though. That's kind of. Yeah. Well, and, and basically what I'm saying is that the end of the first chapter tried to have its cake and eat it, too. And it's like, I can't not call it out for that. What it I'm wants afraid. to get to the story is what it ultimately comes down to, which is it's fine for what it ends up being. It's not so much a mistake as it is uh, the manga was. Yeah, the manga was very deliberately going for something. And you know what? It's one chapter. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Mirai goes and uses his new god powers on uh, on his family. Uh, the first person he runs into is his aunt, who is uh, just chilling in their very nice apartment, presumably bought with all that money that they stole from him through insurance fraud. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mirai walks up to her and shoots her with the red arrow of love. There's also been some explanation about how these angelic items are invisible to anyone who doesn't also have them yeah. and how uh, like they, they can't miss. So yeah. that all, all, 
all your standard like hey here's some magic power nonsense like yeah like death note so essentially the shinigami angels cannot be seen by anyone who doesn't have these similar similar things all that stuff so all this is invisible magic it's great yep and uh his aunt immediately falls deeply in love with him it's very very creepy for about half a panel <laughs> yeah it seems like it's taken a turn a, a different turn and that the, is the thing is the way other people fall deeply in love i think his aunt is also just an incredibly creepy person yeah no one no one no one else really gets as touchy-feely as his aunt did there's also the fact that um the the people who are using the red arrows with one exception are basically using them as a form of mind control like i don't think we see any character except for like one particularly notable exception actually using the red arrows for like making someone fall in love with them i can use this person's like resources to my advantage sort of thing and like the limitations of it being that they are simply madly in love with you come up a few times like this is the first time we're seeing them and honestly even though mirai is flied flown around the world by this point it's kind of hard to believe any of this is really happening. Mirai notices himself when he comes home. That's when he feels the most grounded because he's actually seeing his aunt who's yeah. yelling at him before he shoots her. Mm -hmm. And like when his uncle comes into the door while his aunt is like gushing over the fact, I'm so sorry we killed your parents. I didn't want to do anything. It was all his doing. Like she immediately throws her husband under the bus mm -hmm. for the murder they almost certainly planned together. <laughs> Yeah, she even pins that it was just his idea and that she totally didn't have a part in it or she didn't. It was not well, her idea. Yeah. And in the, in the same breath, she also tell, tells uh, she also talks about how she told her husband that uh, they yeah, could she, get insurance which, money. from. So it's like it's an obvious lie because she's a scummy individual. And it's yes. one of the things I really love about the fact that this power is like a make you fall in love with you arrow rather than just mind control hmm. is because you get these like death note-esque scenes of characters going like, ah, oh, yes, my perfect plan. I'll use a red arrow to mind control them to do it. And they all do all characters do this. They're like, I'll use a red arrow to mind control them. But their plans fall apart because it's not a mind control arrow. Yeah, mm -hmm. it doesn't do that. And that like puts the like level of like maneuverability that like causes these like intricate plans to just fall apart because it's like it doesn't do perfect mind control everyone keeps telling you that it it comes up way later than where we are right now but we will get to my favorite instance of this when we get to girl a let's let's get through mirai's backstory then so basically yes. uh uncle comes in is like why did you just reveal to him everything this is so and then he starts like covering for himself like she's crazy or like he's like he, he starts beating on her yeah he's going through like three separate plans of like i got to get her to shut up then i guess i'm killing mirai or i don't know what i'm doing with that but this stuff needs to stop right now this person's spilling the beans on everything Mm -hmm. uh, and then basically Mirai gets overwhelmed and emotional and essentially screams out, you both should die. You should be dead. To You're which people you should be dead instead of my parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To which uh, his aunt immediately goes because she loves him so much. You're right. What I have done to you is unforgivable. The only way I can atone for this is to take my own life. And she stabs herself in the throat with a shard of the glass coffee table. And Mirai I is like a kitchen knife. 
Oh, was it a kitchen knife? I, yeah, just I, a kitchen knife. Also, I don't know. Like, I re- didn't read into it that she actually thought she needed to atone. She was just like, this is what the person, like, that I'm, wor- like, in love with worshiping has told me to do kind of so, thing. See, later on, it, that gets tested out that that's not what happens. And also, um, N- Nessa basically says she only did that because she felt so guilty. This gets brought up again when we meet the big like arc antagonist a little later, but um, you can't shoot someone with a red arrow and say, I command you to die like this is code Geass or something. Yeah, yeah. Unless they have some deep guilt in their heart that you can exploit. Because the thing is, again, they're not mind controlled. They just are obsessively in love with you and which makes people do crazy things and i I just love the fact that none of the characters notice this recognize (laughs) that yeah they they don't you they specifically use them for mind control and it bites them regularly like in a lesser series it would just be treated like mind control but because this is like so well written no it actually is falling in love just none of the characters Well, you could argue that the reason why they chose to do the emotional route is because it's so easy to manipulate emotions. And also because it's more of an angel power. Yes. Mm. Indeed. So um, we have an amazing tableau here of Auntie dead from a knife in the neck. Uncle losing his freaking mind because he has no everything in his life has fallen to complete shambles. I also got one of my uh, favorite uh, Nessa lines of um, yeah. uh, Mirai's just like, we, we need to call an ambulance. Uh, and Nessa's just like, no, good. she's already dead. Angels yep. know when people die. Yep. <laughs> well, and, I mean, obviously the uncle can't see or hear or anything like that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mirai, witnessing this death before him, he is whacked full in the face with the nature of mortality and proclaims that he wants to live. And that's where the chapter ends. <laughs> to clarify my point from before, th- this gets played differently later. Um, but like, it feels a little hollow here because like later, one of the things that they do to more effectively use this moment is in his own mind, certainly, and, you know, debatably otherwise, but he's like responsible for the death of his own aunt. He's as, very as responsible for it. <laughs> It was an accident, but he's responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. But um uh like the the sort of like um asserting that he wants to live um it felt a little melodramatic to me uh in that first chapter. It this moment is is uh used a lot and it's used better later and there's a better example of a character coming over the you know coming back from the despair event horizon later in this series but this was the moment that i was like uh yeah you're really trying to you're really trying to wring those emotions aren't you it's been one chapter friend i'm not quite that emotionally invested yet (laughs) hey man it's a it's a pilot chapter you might only get one (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, again i can't blame them yeah, but. <laughs> it's, like this is a but deal for right. no means at all. Um, it's it's just it's one of those ones that I can't help but notice because like very much it's the case where the alternative is you have the first chapter be the happy childhood gets taken away. But like the story wants to get to the 
get to the actual show, you know? So that's why we have the fast track, you know, Disney fairy tale sad backstory instead of something that's a little bit more built to. I wouldn't call it Disney, but yeah, it's a fairy yeah. tale tier of sad uh, Yeah, fairy tale, is, fairy tale is better than... Uh, anyway, next chapter happens, and uh, Mirai has PTSD from the murder he committed. Oh, uh, so <laughs> much PTSD. The first, yeah. thing he, the first thing he does is have a nightmare of like, oh, he's just having a good time. He's a kid again, playing in the schoolyard with his friends, and his aunt's desiccated <laughs> corpse breaks out of the ground like, you killed me! Yeah, normal stuff. <laughs> and he wakes up screaming on a hotel floor. Which, by the way, have we gone into the detail of how he ended up at this hotel? You can go into it right now if you want. This is where <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Excellent. So, yes, obviously when the stuff went down at his uncle's house, he had to find somewhere to go. And being that he is a, well, not, he has not entered high school yet, but he is a student, and the fact that he effectively is an orphan yes um, yeah um but he basically what what i mean is he doesn't have much money so essentially he, one of the well the second red arrow he ends up using is for the um hotel manager and the manager you know lets him stay in a room you know for free essentially because he he is infatuated with him so much so essentially he's living he's living a lie. He is hunkered down in this hotel room um with um Nesse and plotting of what he's going to do next. And Nesse's talking to him about what you did is She's very confused why he's not happy about this turn. Yeah, you took you got <laughs> revenge on the people who've caused you such pain. You should be happy. And for some reason, most of us distrust her. I mean, what's up with that? Well, no, Nessa is very much eye for an eye angel, which is very yeah. on brand. Like, it's these people wronged you. You enacted justice. Yeah. Like, she does not see a problem with that because mm -hmm. Nessa does not do uh, the nuance. She does not care about nuance. It's very much, nope, you did the right thing. Why would you feel bad about it? Yeah. And what triggers Mirai is the fact that she, you know, really plays up the fact that she wants Mirai to be happy. She's here for his happiness. That reminds me vaguely of what my mother said when I was a child. Flashback. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really oversold this because this flashback is literally just his mother saying, Now, Mirai, I want you to have this thing you're going to keep with you the rest of your life. It's every human's job to be happy all the time. Mom, oh, no, that's she, terrible life advice. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's, she, uh, she says that the meaning of life is for people to seek happiness. Yes. And the more people who are happy, it's like a positive feedback loop. And yeah. so the true like goal to make a paradise would be to have everybody be happy. Yes, which Nesse, once he relays this flashback to her, she's like, your mom is a good person. Mm -hmm. Good mom. If we wanted to be those uh, one of those philosophy and anime podcasts, we could uh, use this to segue into. Now I'm going to do a lecture on utilitarianism, but I'm not going to do that because you know my opinions of those. Uh <laughs> wait, wait, we're not doing that. See, I was going to start talking about free will and how Nisei very frequently completely disregards it with her, her endorsement of the Red Arrows. So you could actually do a very good philosophy in Platinum End one because there's a lot of like concrete philosophical like beliefs you have to be like a yeah. philosophy expert it's just so in your face of like 
Hey, that's wrong. Yo, no, what? it's not. <laughs> Wisecrack, get on it. I will watch that episode. <laughs> I watch most of your episodes, but do it anyway. <laughs> the reason why it works so well to do like a philosophy dive on Platinum's End is because pretty much all of the characters are a personification of a philosophical idea or a goal mm -hmm. or a perspective. Well, like um, Mirai is the very definition of a, uh, it's a happiness sponge. No, it's a happiness fountain. Yeah. Or something. The the person well, from which you drain out happiness for the good of the group. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're referring to. I've also thought of Mirai as kind of the, and again, this becomes more prominent later, but we'll get, uh, but he's kind of a the most uncharitable way to read Batman because, you know, Batman is all about no guns, don't kill. But like the Joker exists. Wouldn't it be better to just off the Joker? And Mirai is an example of that sort of uncharitable reading of Batman because Mirai is also, um, you know, once he's gotten over his suicidal tendencies, he is very, very protective of life. Yeah, protective of life. He wholly believes in the sacred nature of life and that any life lost is an immense tragedy. And so we should do everything to save everyone we can, even if they're an asshole. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it later because he's got like an entire scene about this. Yes. But, um, he's, when he's when we meet my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, he's he's currently PTSDing in a apartment in a hotel room. <laughs> in a hotel room. Yes. With all the like 30 yen to his name, thinking, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was actually wondering where the next uh, scene happened. And then I remembered how um, I almost called this Mirai Niki. Uh, <laughs> uh, I then remembered how a platinum end does its um, big. Uh, hey, this is the next scene that's happening. A news broadcast happens. Look, I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. This manga is just Mirai Niki by way of Death Note, by way of Samurai Flamenco. We haven't we haven't gotten to why that's a, the best way to describe it, but we'll get there. Also, I'm in there with Code Geass. It's a lot of Code Geass that comes yeah. in a little what? later too. Yeah. Uh, but um, so anyway, uh, the news broadcast is on about a man who I did not know the name of until I looked it up on uh, the wiki. Tanma Rodriguez, a popular late night comedian who is famous now because. I believe he has 14 famous actress girlfriends concurrently now. Uh, yep. They only know about five on the broadcast. Yeah, on the, uh, on the, on the broadcast, he only has five publicly. Mm -hmm. It and is a total of 14, though, because that becomes a plot point later. Because he is a very insecure gentleman, as we later find out. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we, this... we have my favorite panel in the manga as how do we know this guy's a God candidate? Oh, because an angel is planking over him to establish dominance. <laughs> <sighs> I, I forget his angel's name because he does not matter at all, but he is one of my favorites. He doesn't matter. Um, but when I say when I say the 14 girlfriends thing is a uh, plot point later, it's not because of this moron. It's because 14 arrows is a thing. Anyway, uh, this guy's a loser, which actually we do know is because uh, a requirement of becoming a God candidate is that you need to have given up on life. So this guy was a failed comedian who suddenly yes. rose back into popularity only because he was dating so many actresses concurrently. In other words, literally relying on women to keep his career afloat. 
he uh, he shot them with red arrows, and that's good enough for him. But uh, anyway, uh, we basically get his interview, which I'm amazed they aired. <laughs> well, I mean, even the commentators were the commentators were like, "Why is this on the air? Like, what?" Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that gets aired on TV in this universe that I'm not a hundred percent sure screened at all. A lot of it could make sense, except this one doesn't. But. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we cut to him uh, literally having an orgy in the back of a limo saying, man, I wish I could have more girls when there's a knock on the outside of the limo door and he has to open up the door. And outside is a man wearing a superhero costume, which I guess we're supposed to establish from like context clues that this is an established super. Well, actually, we, we know for certain the person who bought this costume bought it from a costume shop. Well, I thought he thought I thought he bought it from like a, a film studio or something. He, he bought it from someone who had the costume already. It was baggy and needed to be resized. Mm. So it, it definitely was something that already existed. Yeah. In that it, he is Metro Polyman, <laughs> which is the it's so dumb. It's so <laughs> dumb how that sounds in English because it's supposed to be Metro Policeman. I thought it was a pun on Metropolitan, but... Uh, it, it could also be Metropolitan, yeah. actually. I, I assumed it was police because he works with the police, but actually, I don't know anymore. I say yes. To it doesn't people. sound great in English. <laughs> yes, it just, it just... Yes. Anyway. He, he um, shoots him with a white arrow and kills him. Yeah. Girls all run away and scatter and be like, ew, what the heck is going on? What was ew. I doing here? <laughs> Yeah, at some point, um, Nessa had explained to Mirai that he also had white arrows because in case, oh, it was uh, when she said, you should kill your uncle. You could use a white arrow. It would kill him painlessly. At which point uh, she explains, I actually gave you three things. When I told you I could give you one and you asked for two, I gave you three things instead. Uh, why do we not trust this character again? But um, anyway, because she, she's airhead Cube, That's why. <laughs> We had to do, she had to do something to become a special class angel, as we established that angels come in three classes, special, first, and second class. Yeah, Dante rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> yep, with uh, special class angels having access to all three items, second class having wings and red arrows, and first class only having red arrows. All right, I thought second class was the lower one. They are. I, I misspoke, I think. OK. And um, the other thing that's worth noting about second class angels, you can choose between wings or arrows, and it is actually a choice for second class angels. Special mm -hmm. rank give you all three. First rank give you uh, wings and red arrows. I don't know if you can have white arrows instead of red arrows. You can only only special class has white. Only, arrows. OK, only special class has white. But um, first class have wings and red arrows, and then um, second class angels, you choose between one or the other. Because uh, mm -hmm. we have characters who uh, have only the arrows or only the wings, and that ends up becoming. What we do establish is um, after that scene of uh, Tanya Rodriguez getting killed, uh, there's actually a really fun scene where his angel drags his body up to heaven. heaven? I forget yep. if it's called that in this. The celestial realm. I don't, I don't think they really. I don't think they really reference or dwell on it. They just take the spirit into the resting place. Anyway, they take his body to God, who is a jacked man wearing blue jeans. <laughs> he looks like Sephiroth, like literally, <laughs> like emaciated but still kind of muscular, wearing only pants with like long hair, going like, "I tire of living. Give me a successor. What? Why are you back already?" 
I just wanted to, you know, get this over with real quick, so I picked a real loser. Thanks. I didn't care about this at all, actually. <laughs> but you know what was really cool? The dude who murdered my dude was really cool for a god candidate. And he's literally just there to hype up the villain. <laughs> I literally just love the fact that they're like, there is this facet of angels. We'll be introducing to other angels, but he does set the tone. There are just angels who are just doing it, going through the motions, who aren't super ambitious. Yep. <laughs> they are literally on their nine to five, nine to five grind and don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the ones I appreciate. <laughs> I, actually, I uh, that's a lie. I appreciate all the angels in various forms in this. But I find something very, very uh, amusing and uh, uh, sympathetic about the guy who's like, man, I don't really care. I'm just going to throw. <laughs> I'm not going to win, so I don't want to try. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But uh, the one thing that does happen is the news of this dude's death. Uh, Mirai finds out the next day. And while he was by very happy, he, he finds out by overhearing a group of girls like sitting together before school, looking at their phones, getting they got a news alert as well. And one of them laughs like, ha, loser, karma got you. Yep. And basically uh, that causes him to have a sudden crisis because he's like, wait, hold on. That was clearly a God candidate because he had an angel and now he's dead. God candidates are dying. I thought we were just going to like settle this at the end of this. And then Nessa was just like, yeah, maybe who knows, but you'll win. You'll be the happiest. So I, I don't think we've actually, I don't think we've actually um, established what this whole God candidate thing is because mm -hmm. the, the series kind of throws it at you sideways because we're getting most of our information from Nessa who as established cannot be trusted. And just again, I want to make a, a point clear. I love Nessa because I don't trust her. Man, you, you guys are building this little snowflake into the biggest villain, and I think you're doing yourselves a huge <laughs> disservice. Like, I am not getting any of that at all. I am enjoying uh, waiting for her turn to villainy is 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 my perspective on it. <laughs> See her is like legitimately. I don't know. I don't I don't hate, dislike her at all. I love her. I love her for, for being that's... a cute little cupcake. She is Who, very cute. Yes, as is referenced several times in the manga <laughs> by people in the world. Diegetically, <laughs> yeah. she is exce exceedingly cute. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, Mirai Mirai takes his, his high school entrance exams on his own merit and despite Nessa saying you should just red arrow in to get whatever you want, he's like no, I want to earn it. And she's just like I'm proud of you, but I think what you're doing is dumb. <laughs> that, your dedication to doing things in an inefficient way is noble, but also very stupid. You could just, you have the power, use it. Then we get uh, more establishment of uh, Metro Polyman. Metro Polyman. There is a news broadcast of a active hostage situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, yeah, um, some, some, uh, some, Armed robbers have gone full payday and taken over a bank. And then a dude flies into the scene and everyone's like, well, that's impressive. <laughs> We're definitely going to get into it later when we reach the stadium. But can we talk for a bit about how shockingly jaded apparently the entire Japanese viewing audience is to, to the sight of people flying and shooting 
uh, and performing moves that insta-kill others. Yeah, I was about to say, they can't see the shots, so... They can't see the arrows, it's just... Yeah. He points at someone and they drop dead instantly. Everyone always thinks they're filming a movie or something. Like, nobody believes this. It's not flashy because of the nature of the arrows, but people are dying. <laughs> it takes three corpses later on for people to finally be like, oh, guys, I think this is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, this bank robbery scene we get, which is just establishing that there is a god candidate who it, that much is a by the fact that he like flies into the scene and everything can i just uh i i hate to interrupt again but i gotta say this manga is very beautifully drawn the artist is exceptionally skilled you should know if you've read death note or anything else he's drawn oh obata is top tier when it comes to art like obata's so good i personally am a massive sucker for angel wing imagery and this is just mm, oh my god it is a smorgasbord of just glamour shots of people with angel wings doing cool. And that is entirely my jam. Mm. It has that it has that like sketch of a cathedral ceiling sort of uh, yeah. vibe that Death Note has. Now, I've interrupted you twice, Matt. And I'm terribly sorry. Please continue. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the I'm trying to get to the point. I'm trying to get to the point other characters are introduced because there's a lot that goes on. Um, But um, so basically this entire scene, he flies in, goes, well, I guess negotiations aren't going to work. Kills a dude outright. The other dude's like, wait, hold on. Did that dude just die? Mind controls him into loving him. He's like, I do love Metropoly Man. And then like. You should surrender. I surrender. Shotgun. Yeah. Which he dodges out of the way and just obliterates the dude who just surrendered. Mm-hmm. And then he kills that guy. And there's like a three body count for this hostage situation where Metropolitan Man then just gives a press conference of like, well, good thing the police had already said lethal force was required. I saved the day. I'm like, dude, most of the people are dead. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you did the bare minimum here. The part that really got me was the fact that this isn't a live broadcast. This is an after the fact. We're back here at the studio with our reporter and Metropolitan Man. And here is footage from the scene. They're just showing the shotgun obliterated corpse. Like, yeah, they like, yeah, they pixelated it, but it's. They pixel. There's a bunch of cases where they will like if there's already a dead body, they'll pixelate the body on the ground. But like they apparently just showed the shotgun going off just fine. Mm-hmm. I love what they air on TV in this universe. It's it's uh, which it's in all fairness, what we find out is I'm willing to believe that Metro Man's uh, corporation totally just owns the broadcast networks, but we'll get there. I think that actually does get stated at one point, but mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, with I think at the during the press conference, Metro Man says something that he's here to find and kill his 12 opponents. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to <laughs> which Mirai freaks out <laughs> because Quite rightly. Yeah, obviously he means the other God can. No, he says he's here to defeat his 12 mortal foes. One of them has already fallen. So the other 11, I will not hide. Come and fight me. Yep. Uh, yeah, because Mirai had already seen by this point that uh, that Rodriguez was uh, one of that the God King. Mm-hmm. 
Have we established what the God candidate thing is at this point? I think the next angel fully describes it. We've gotten yeah. bits and pieces from, um, uh, from Nessa. Nessa. Because, again, she's airheaded Cube. She doesn't actually explain anything. Not because she's purposefully withholding information, I think, but because she forgets. <laughs> One thing they do immediately establish, though, is it is not safe for Nessa to just fly around with Mirai, which is something he was already kind of sure about after seeing what happened to... Um, Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez. But this cements that there is someone actively hunting God candidates, so definitely lay low. Just mm -hmm. go to school like normal. Don't pay any attention. Oh, God, is that an angel flying above? Don't look it in the eye. Oh, no, I looked it in the eye. <laughs> you could see me, couldn't you? No, Quick, I shoot him. <laughs> I love this moment because, yeah, as Matt said, Mirai, light Yagami, he is not. I'll just say <laughs> that right now. I'll, I'll go you one step further. I would argue no one in this manga is like Yagami, and I think it's better for that. Yeah, uh, there, there are there are no inexplicable geniuses in this cast, at least as far as we've read. But like Mirai is above average smart and not even greatly like he's he's got a certain amount of wherewithal and but he does not have any of the stomach or spine for this. So he knows objectively don't react to anything only a God candidate could react to. That will make you obvious. And as he's walking to school the next day, he happens to glance up, see an angel and get very conspicuous in not looking at it. <laughs> and then, you know, the angel whirls over and land and uh, the angel doesn't even like turn like immediately just i guess senses that he's been spotted yeah no the angel inverts vertically and is like hovering face to upside down face to mirai and like if he actually had the intestinal fortitude to go along with this don't notice anything he could just walk right through the angel but no he panics and stumbles backwards because it's startling no yeah. I, I can tell you exactly what the death note version of this scene would be would be light yagami walking into class and then we would get a montage of the day going by with this angel searching around the school Exactly. And it would be, but light was so cool. No one noticed him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mirai gets caught immediately. And then uh, the angel, who we will reveal his name is Ravel, 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 Ravel. Uh, says, shoot him. To which we get a brilliant scene of uh, the girl we know is his crush, but I don't think we've had her name revealed yet. Saki. Uh, Saki, who shoots him through the back with the you must love me red arrow. Which at this point, like, tore me and uh, tore me apart. So I'm just like, ah, oh, no, <laughs> it's such a waste. He had he had had the conversation with uh, uh, Mirai had had the conversation with Nessa about how he wasn't going to use his red arrow on her because he wanted to, her to fall in love with him naturally, and she was like, nope, shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some guys like it when the girls make the first move. I mean, not yeah. in a life or death game. <laughs> you don't know that. You do not know that. You know, actually, knowing the characters we meet, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I got to say, my one complaint about Mirai is that he is a very passive protagonist until like chapter 10. Mm hmm. But mm -hmm. at the same time, his incompetence creates very interesting situations like this one. 
it's a very grab you by the chin and pull you forward moment of oh shit. he's been stabbed by the love arrow but by someone he explicit all explicitly already has feelings for what is this going to do like Sam, can you at least concede that that scene is like the perfect chapter end? Because that's how the chapter this is in ends is Mm -hmm. that full page thing of him getting shot through the heart by Saki. Yeah. The revel in the court. Like that is like this thing does a lot of great chapter ends. This is beautiful. It's a very, very powerful way to end a chapter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I had read up to that point and I needed to step away to go do something else. So like my mind was spinning, like, is he going to have this odd like understanding in his brain of like, oh, she's hit me with the arrow. So, of course, I'm feeling these things, but I already felt this way. I was ready for this real battle inside the mind moment. And then the next chapter says, nah, he's given into it. <laughs> it's not even given into it. Like, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't. It's not mind control. It doesn't it just, control, yeah. It just makes you love the per Like, it is the bare minimum. It switches your dial of how you feel a person up to love. It doesn't make you go out of the way for what you would normally do. It, like... You're still you. It's not... It, it, yeah. If you're someone who treats the people you love like garbage, guess what? You're... <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I always get my one Exalted reference in per episode, but this one I'm going to say mechanically, it's a... It, instantly creates a defining tie but a defining tie is still something you can resist it's not something that forces you to do a thing oh mirai just has absolutely no interest in resisting like why yeah and and basically the only difference for mirai after he's been hit is that he basically says out loud what he has been thinking in his head this whole time there's even a fun little bit where like um like he's talking about how he feels about the situation to Saki and he's like, oops, I said it out loud. <laughs> and like like, he's, that's basically the only difference here. The only difference is he's emboldened to act on his inner feelings. Yeah. Like that's that's it. Probably the best way these arrows could possibly be used. Like Nessa says, um, the only way to make the the love last permanently is to nurture it over the 33 days the red arrow is active but it was there already and what nessa explicitly says is the way the arrows are meant to be used is to find people who are actually have feelings for each other but are too like things are getting in the way from them acting on it Uh what that does is it instantly boosts it up to full to get past that initial hurdle so that that love can bloom on its own which is how the thing is supposed to you like they're cupid's arrow and and that's sort of the fun thing that these arrows they can actually be used in an ethical way so to say Mm -hmm. because again it's not mind control despite the fact that people basically use it like that like i i I love the disconnect and i i know this is the third time i'm saying this sorry listeners the (laughs) disconnect between the fact the characters do not know how the thing they're using is working despite it being explained to them multiple times and the world never lets it work like how the characters think sometimes Mm -hmm. things happen off screen which is convenient and maybe we could imply maybe they don't do anything there but i don't think so I think there is just so many people in Japan, you can just negate consequences pretty easily. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So we have this situation in front of us. Mirai is now completely incapable of holding back his love for Saki. And she 
reveals the dire straits of her situation. She also saw Metropolitan's broadcast and put uh, two and two together to make four and realizes that she is deeply in trouble. But here's the thing. Her angel is second class. She only has the arrows. She does not have wings. Now, the wing, the arrows are unerring, but the wings move fast enough to uh, dodge them. So it, she says, uh, Mirai, you are going to serve as my wings. You will be my bodyguard if anyone tries to shoot me with the arrows. And of course, he immediately agrees. I'm your knight in shining armor. <laughs> I, I will be your wings. We find out you can share the wings by holding hands and then your bonds tie each other to you. It's very cute. <laughs> it's exceptionally <laughs> cute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is a lot of um, I, I got to say, I really do enjoy this manga. This, I think, might be my the biggest disappointment. And I I struggled. Wow. To, I Sam, struggled this this manga is rated teen. <laughs> shut up <laughs> i struggle to even call it that because it is such an interesting situation of this person is under this love hypnosis and is in no way trying to fight it he's holy about it she can he is at her beck and call so sam i think that's the and, thing though it's not a love hypnosis is the thing well, no, it's, no, it's okay to, well, no, it, it is hypnosis because it can't make you do something that you wouldn't normally do. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not hypnosis because it, it can't control you. It's you are suggesting people who have the max affinity oh, yeah. to you. Well, no, people yeah, are doing no, favors because no, they actually like you. Well, no, that's why I'm calling it hypnosis, because. Yeah, whatever. We're splitting hairs over. Not my point. My point is we then we then flash forward to 33 days later. Yeah, they they skip over this entire uh, idea. Well, because it's it's essentially what it would be is they're being very careful with him to mm -hmm. basically lay low because nothing nothing happens in these thirty three days is the big thing we are revealed to. Yeah, because Metropolitan is still waiting for people to come challenge him. They are laying low because they're deeply afraid of being caught, so they're like doing a normal life of like going to school. Mirai is living on the floor of of her Saki's room. room when she lives with her parents. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how all of that works. Well, he can fly. He can fly into her uh, balcony. Yeah. But if they're trying to lay low, I don't know why he's taking that risk, but whatever. <laughs> they're teenagers. They're they're, they're also in the suburbs, so it it really doesn't matter like but yeah, we we go from, oh, wow, this crazy situation. It's this it's the cliffhanger of this chapter. He's been pierced by the arrow. What will happen to within like 20 pages of 33 days pass? OK, here we are. <laughs> Why did we? Yeah. Tie, yeah. Why did we tie him down? Well, we needed to be sure. Yeah, but we've passed. We've passed the point where exactly 33 days have passed. Saki has the red arrow back. And the flush of his face hasn't changed. You think he just likes being tied to the... No, shut up! <laughs> but this is where we establish what will be our status quo going forward for basically the rest of our reading, which is Mirai and Saki have formed an alliance. 
uh, in order to protect each other from the other god candidates, and her room becomes their base of operations. There is one other factor that gets added to this, but he has not quite shown up yet. Because first, we need to go to a show at the stadium. Mirai and Saki get a news report that Metropolitan has put out a press release saying that, actually, I don't want to fight and defeat my 11 opponents. We I can repeat, kill, kill. I love this press release so much. <laughs> we um, can well, actually be friends. Please come to this stadium. Oh so God, so bad. Just talk. Yeah. So I, I love no one in this manga is like Yagami, especially the villain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. Metropolitan isn't like Metropolitan, I think, is an above average intelligence pretty definitively, but he's definitely not the plans within plans within plans like Yagami. Well, no, <laughs> Metro Metropolitan in the like little thing we get before this press conference with him is uh, he expected every other God candidate to act like him was that the easiest way would be to kill your competition. And he's like, those cowards aren't showing up to fight me 1v1 to get this over with. Great. His yeah. biggest problem is he assumes everyone thinks like him. Mm. Yeah. Can I just say, there are a lot of reasons to hate Metropolitan, and we will get into several of them going forward. The one that made me instantly hate him was when, uh, after doing his uh, interview on Sakura TV, he flew back to his house and he took off his helmet and he said dead ass to the camera. Well, to his angel, but to the camera. So I work as this superhero and God candidate, but it's so cool that I'm just a high schooler in my spare time. <laughs> as he shakes out his luxurious hair and I'm like, you. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got a line that made me hate him and we'll get to it. <laughs> I hated him instantly from that moment and my loathing only grew deeper. But yeah. <laughs> We're at the stadium. Everybody, everybody that we are currently following says, this is the biggest trap. <laughs> We're still going to show up, but... I love how, like, even, like, the bystanders who have absolutely no context for what's actually going on are like, yeah, this is a trap, right? <laughs> like Saki, at this point, has not been, like, that... She's not been shown to be above average intelligence. I'd also argue kind of on the lower end because she's so hesitant to do anything. Mm. Like, even she's like, this is a trap. We shouldn't do this. But also. Yeah, I don't think she's not smart. I think she's just very uh, fearful. Yeah, she's very meek. Until until near the end of our reading, she hasn't really done anything other than uh, uh, shoot Mirai. Yeah, she hasn't come into herself. Yeah, and, and and at this point, I still cannot figure out like why Mirai likes her. I'm just like, she's cute. That it. They're past. It. <laughs> well, well, we'll get well again. We'll get into that later. But yeah, we go to the stadium. Uh, the angels were told to stay behind so that they won't uh, reveal uh, Mirai and Saki as god candidates. And so uh, they are sitting in the stands with the numerous onlookers who have showed up. Everyone wants to see the superhero. Yeah, everyone wants yeah. to see the superhero for what seems to be like uh, a big 
plot point in his story, I guess. <laughs> and this is the part where it becomes Samurai Flamenco. Yeah, I'm I'm going to, before we get into this summarizing, uh, apologize to the listeners, because I'm going to try my best here. <laughs> A lot <laughs> happens in these two chapters. Yeah. You should have read it. <laughs> we are going to sound like complete lunatics describing this. Yeah, this is also this is also the fun moment where uh, both Matt and I independently made a joke about. And this is the part that reminds you uh, that this was made by the people who did Death Note, because uh, <laughs> this is the most Death Note thing we've read. Is it is it is a twisted web of plans within plans, except the difference between Death Note and uh, Platinum End is that the people in Platinum End aren't nearly as smart as the people in Death Note were. Nope. I'll, I'll do my best summarize the plans ahead so we can just focus on the action scenes. Um, basically, this is a baseball stadium uh, of which the crowd is pretty full because most people it was a free show. So like the stadium's pretty full of people. Uh, there are drones with cameras on them constantly monitoring the crowd looking around. There are angels flying above the stadium so that they know God candidates are here. And most important. So, uh, sorry, but one important note is that because of the size of a uh, of a baseball pitch uh you can't shoot a candidate from the stands the arrows actually have a range limit for how perfect their accuracy is and it's roughly home plate to the pitcher's mound it's uh, roughly 30 meters the the exact number they give is 31.6 i don't know why that piece of information is stored in my brain because it's not strictly speaking relevant but i remembered that i only remembered it was around 30 because they doubled it up to 62 so so yeah essentially what this establishes is when eventually he does land metropolitan lands directly on the pitcher's mound which indicates he is safe from everyone in the stands and someone would have to approach him to try and kill him to which they will be on camera they will be seen and he is effectively safe out there unless Something happens, but that is the entire setup so far. And we have our two protagonists up there in the stands, both telling each other quite regularly, don't look at anything that a God candidate would pay attention to. Those drones are absolutely taking pictures of our faces. Meanwhile, Mirai is definitely looking at the angel. <laughs> and he says, it's OK, I'm I'm totally just looking at the drones that that'll explain which Okay, as someone who tries to pull shit on TTRPGs a lot, feels like a D&D player trying desperately to rationalize away their plan to the GM. Oh, no, dude, I was going to say it's like that one guy you see at a concert who's totally just holding his beer bottle by his belt, you know? Yeah, definitely not peeing. It is painfully obvious how much they are uh, part of this Miraniki shenanigans. Man lands on the pitch and is declaring his challenge no one is really stepping forward until gasp shock amazement two people appear hovering above the pitcher's mound why it's uh two other people in metropolitan man outfits except colored like they're uh <laughs> colored like they're power right like they're a sentai group yeah which is another reason why i'm pretty sure this is an established hero because they definitely bought theirs from a costume shop well specifically they talk about how they couldn't actually get a metropolitan costume because where they looked was sold out i'm pretty sure they were like buying like the official ones from the tv series this character 
is like based off of i think is the reason why because like a couple of characters talk about how hard it is to actually get the things jacob jacob it's sentai nonsense we can just move (laughs) yeah it's not really important but it is indeed sentai nonsense because uh our two metropola men that show up blue and yellow they really don't want the main metropola man to be god because to be honest he's kind of an asshole he murdered multiple people on camera already so so we learned that blue and yellow are a pair of failed college uh applicants hatake and tabuchi multi-time failed applicants is the big thing Yeah, both of them have tried to get into higher education numerous times. They keep failing. And frankly, they are at the point where they have crossed the despair event horizon and are ready to end it all. So they become friends in their despair. They party it up for the last months of their lives and are ready to end it all when the angels show up. And so that's how they became God candidates as a as a uh, team straight from the start. And uh, I know we keep saying this, but neither of these people are light Yagami. I would argue neither of these people are the police officers from Death Note. (laughs) These people are dumb. They try their best. They are the kind of people who have a lot of book learning, but absolutely zero street smarts or nothing in their wisdom score. And so they keep acting like they're smarter, but they're really just idiots. See, I don't think that they have the worst plan of all. As Metropolitan Man will make clear, it has some holes in it. Their plan is we can just sit back to back and with the power of our wings and arrows, we can dodge your attack and shoot you back. But too bad. They go to shoot Metropolitan Man sitting on the pitcher's mound with a red arrow, but it pings off because there's already a red arrow in his heart. Gasp, shock, amazement. It's not Metropolitan Man. Someone he caused to love him to become Metropolitan Man. Which, um, some rando in a suit. Metro- Metropolitan Man uses this a lot to the point it's almost Naraku's shadow puppet levels of, um, <laughs> I, I red arrowed some dude to mimic the words I'm saying out of an earpiece. <laughs> <laughs> that scene. In our reading, he uses this three separate times confirmed with a strong supposition that it's two other times could easily be the same thing. Actually, I take it back. That's a Code Geass plot, is someone wearing Zero's outfit saying his words for him. I also love the explanation of how he flies in. Yeah, because remember, remember, the wings are so fast that they are faster than the eye can follow. So the real Metropola man uh, flew in this body double and dropped him off on the mound and zipped away before anyone could notice. From a height that no one could see. Yeah, yes. That did not injure. The- Actually, I guess he doesn't care. <laughs> he really doesn't care. When that happened, I was like, OK, fine. That's cool. It's it's the thing that happens later <laughs> that like, yes, I know technically this is possible with the way that you set this up, but this is still dumb. <laughs> A lot of it makes sense if you just assume Metropolitan Man does not care if the people he's putting into these situations die or break their <laughs> legs. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can fully believe the dude making that speech cannot walk because <laughs> like he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, what happens is uh, our our two uh, Metro Blue and Metro Yellows call out to the crowd after being realized they're being duped. And like, he's still got to be here somewhere. And we know there are other God candidates here. 
come up for us and we'll take like we'll join together and fight as a crew in order to defeat Metropolitan, yeah. Reminder, this is being live broadcast to all of Japan. No one else watching this on their TV or in the stadium right now can see the angel wings or the arrows or the angels or what is a god candidate? Oh, actually, uh, uh, one thing we do get uh, told to us by the angels before this is um, they have some concerns about whether or not the god candidates are even going to show up to this like baseball field in Japan. To which the angels inform us, oh, the God candidate uh, thing is only happening in Japan because Japan is such an advanced country, but still has such a high rate of suicides. Clearly, people are unsatisfied with life despite living in such like bliss. They are the ones most worthy of being gods. <laughs> that is almost entire. That is almost an exact quote from Nisei. That's one way to criticize <laughs> modern living. <laughs> I don't know if it's the one I'd go for, but you know what? You do you. Metro Pink and Metro Green show up like, yeah, well, we're, we're scared of him, too. First off, we get a uh, little girl jumps out of the stands flying. No disguise, just a young girl can't be more than 10 floating up in the air like, I'm scared of Metropolitan Man. Please save me. And they're like, oh, well, that's a little girl. Definitely got to save her then. At, at some point, Metropolitan Man flies out and kidnaps her again and red arrows her. I, I forget if that happens before or after the other two candidates show up. It is very quick. It is after, I'm pretty sure, because two other Metropolitan people show up. The qualification of joining the team is you have to let Metro Blue or Metro Yellow red arrow you so they know you're going to be loyal. And the little girl obviously does not care. Yeah. Uh -huh. So they red arrow Metro Pink and Metro Green. And before they can red arrow the little girl, she is stolen away by uh, Metro Polyman speed of light flying. This is after uh, Pink and Green have been shot by the red arrows. We cut to Metro Polyman on the Jumbotron with the little girl, Chio. All right, dumbasses, congratulations. You've fallen into my plot. What plot? Ah, the plot where the people that you uh, red arrowed thinking that they were God candidates weren't actually God candidates. They were just people that I hired. I'm going to shoot you with uh, a white arrow now. But there's a cooldown time between shooting an arrow one after another. Yes, there is. But what if you fired a red arrow and a white arrow at the same time? <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me started on how much this manga thought I cared about cooldown times of their attacks. <laughs> It really wants you to pay attention to the GCD. The big reveal, though, was the guy on the Jumbotron was the decoy again, and Metropolitan swapped himself out with the decoy on the field. There's three Metropolitan! That was the that was the point where I'm like, yes, I know, strictly speaking, everybody was watching Metro Green and Metro Pink, but this is dumb. It's dumb. I'm not mad. It's just this is dumb. But Jake, the wings are faster than the eye can follow. <laughs> and everyone was turned away. Yeah, no, I know. There's numerous cameras that are more powerful than the human eye focused <laughs> on this situation. I mean, cool, but the cameras are all under the control of Metropolitan, so th that can't be used yeah. against them. It's, it's, no, it's very much the case where it's not a plot hole. I'm not mad about this. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's dumb and hammy. Which fits this entire thing. Yeah, th this is what happens when people who think they are smarter than they are uh, engage in Death Note shenanigans. Uh, it results in the death of children because uh, 
Well, first it involves the death of uh, Neats who didn't make it into college because one of them gets ganked immediately with the White Arrow and the other one falls in love with him. And then uh, we get to part two of this labeled by the manga, which starts with Metropolitan. Metropolitan is great because he looks at all these extra characters and like, I don't need you in the scene anymore. Please leave. And then they left and we didn't have to worry about them. Good. (laughs) Most of them were paid off. A few of them were red arrowed. The red arrowed one stuck around a bit longer until he said, no, seriously, get out of here. All right. Bye, boss. Except the God candidate red arrows, the little girl and um, I believe Tabuka are still here. Yes, everyone who isn't a God candidate is ushered off the field. I enjoyed the bit where um, Pink and Yellow were like, hey, you paid us to be here, but we barely did anything. Are you are you still going to give us that paycheck? Yeah. Now get out of here. All right, cool. Free money. Bye. Metropolitan Man. In case you were wondering if he was the villain, uh, handcuffs these two people. And then while in the middle of this stadium, proceeds to test the limits of his powers on them. Mm-hmm. One of whom is a very small child. Which we've established is between eight and ten. <laughs> yeah, a no more than ten young girl. Who, by the way, both of these people that he's threatening with these white arrows are also red arrowed by him. They are deeply in love with him as he is threatening their lives. It is a hideously tragic moment. Both of them are screaming and crying, wondering why he's doing this. Yeah, and the big thing that is revealed is that um, while it was said by Nessa earlier, it's confirmed here that even though someone's in love with you, they're not willing to die for you Uh because he's flat out going to shoot one of them with a white arrow and they attempt to fly away to the point they're almost going to rip the hand off the person they're handcuffed to. Uh Uh-huh, and that's the only thing that makes him hesitate, which lets him get shot by the White Arrow. And then his body falls limply to the ground as a young girl cries. Cries, screams, begs for her life, prays that someone will save her. Her angel jumps in the way of the White Arrow saying, please, no, don't do it. There is so much screaming and begging for mercy that does not come. And it's great because while all this screaming and begging is going on, you know what uh, Metropolitan Man has to say to this angel who's screaming and begging? You're kind of cute, but my angel has you beaten looks flat out. No, he's, he doesn't say that to the angel of the little girl. He says that to Nasei. Oh, yeah. he, oh you're, you're yeah, right. He, you're, it. he says yeah. it to Nasei later. He, he, he mocks the other angel and says, look at you, you're so pathetic. He does, he does rank angels on how attractive they are. Yeah. Yes, he's a very shallow person. Yep. Okay. And in, in that case, uh, Nessa does uh, fly through uh, after telling uh, Mirai, hey, don't react to anything. I've got this covered. And he's like, okay, Nessa, I trust you implicitly. And uh, Nessa- <laughs> everyone else trusts her. I, I don't see a problem. Nessa then flies down in, uh, in like a scene of shonen brilliance. She goes, you could kill the little girl. That's not going to get anyone else to reveal themselves to you. That would be dumb to do at this point. Why would they? This is everything in your advantage. You're not going to gain anything from this. To which uh, Metropolitan Man goes, well, I guess you're right. And then kills a little girl. <laughs> yep. I laugh because it's so dark. I don't have another emotion. <laughs> it, it really is just so yeah, no, it's so dark. I have no other emotions. They focus on it, too. It is like the source of panels for two and a half pages. Well, yeah, I mean, there are numerous panels looking into the dead eyes of this child. 
Yeah, I mean, my emotion, I do have an emotion. It is shock, but also not shock at the same time, because obviously we're trying to build a supervillain. I mean, he's already pretty well built already, but this person uh-huh. will stop at nothing to accomplish his goal. Which My distaste of uh, Metropolitan started with man he's kind of a prick isn't he and has yes. elevated and has elevated straight to the deepest pets of hell are too good for him he must yeah be they're basically creating a mega villain so uh-huh. it's kind of like yep he also kills children like you know his disregard for life is so complete he is a sociopath and needs to be destroyed because humanity won't survive his continued existence all right, Sam. No spoilers. Well, anyway, um, that's, that's explicitly said later on. It that's is. Why, that's why I'm saying that. Yeah, <laughs> that's why she said spoilers. <laughs> you know what? Fair point. Fair point. Everyone had a good time at the ball game. Uh, they all go home. Uh, everyone's clinically depressed. In uh... numerous civilians are vomiting out of disgust. All, basically, the civilians are like wait this is real this is the guy that they were worshiping just a moment ago yep. yeah and then it was met with confusion and curiosity and then they come out and just like what kind of sick game is this yeah, here's here's the big thing for me um this uh stadium event was public knowledge which we get established from the internet later on that it is public knowledge after murdering a child on air metropolitan still appears to work with the police I don't know if this is expressly said, but he had like that's where people start speculating. Like, does he have connections to the police or I thought I thought they were saying the police were investigating him. I mean, it's hard. They do stop using his ties as obviously. So maybe he he kills all goodwill right here. He was too good to be true. Every everyone is sitting around Saki's apartment. uh, And by everyone, I mean Mirai, Saki and Revel and uh, Nessa uh, when um a slam against the window as a rain-soaked old old man. He's he's late middle ages. He's not old. He's middle aged. Mid forties, probably. He he's got an eight year old daughter and uh, uh probably late thirties. He's maybe. not old. The other thing is the other thing is um we we established this relatively quickly. He's a heavy smoker and he has cancer, so he probably looks a lot older than he actually is. Yeah. The only thing that leads me to believe he's older than like mid 30s is he also seems to be pretty far ahead in his career when he talks about his job, you know. So I don't know. I, you I, can get that through connections as well. Well, he's, he seems to have actual skills, but we get a guy who at the very least, like the way that he's like drawn and presented is that he's a he's a rained on old man. They have a running gag that I think they think is funnier than it actually is, where apparently uh, he taps on the window six times every time. The kanji for his name is six. I think that's also supposed to be like a coded knock. Yeah, like it's supposed to, yeah, to basically announce his presence, but it's still like they bring up, it's like super annoying. It's like, seriously, every time? We're, we're still doing that? <laughs> like that's the attitude the other characters have. I Look, I like Cancer Dad, okay? <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying I don't like him, because he is great, but... I have already stated that I think that Mirai is a very passive protagonist. Saki is as well. All of the action has been at the behest of the villains up to this point. But 
as soon as Mukaido shows up, it just puts the pedal to the metal on character action and development for both of our young heroes. That is because, quite honestly, he doesn't have that much time. The risks that he has, he has a family that will be distraught without him. You know, he is one of the few characters who was on the brink of death for, we don't know this for sure, like perhaps not due to any of like he did not do this to himself i'm pretty sure it gets brought up in his backstory that he was given a terminal diagnosis of you have three months to live four four months ago so he can't just passively like just say i don't know if i want he's like i need this to happen now because i have to build i want to create a positive world for you know my daughter and you know my child that's on the way my wife He's mm-hmm. he's already putting himself out of the picture. He's like, I'm not going to be here, but I want to ensure that the world, whoever becomes God in the future, is going to be a positive, bring positivity to the world. Because this is the world that, you know, my family is going to have to live in once I'm gone. So he kind of kicks it into high gear and says, look, we got to act on this. There's exactly. a risk here. Exactly. I love this guy. He he wholeheartedly believes that if he lives to see the next second, it is a blessing upon blessings. And so he should use that opportunity to better the world for his family. And looking at Metropolitan Man's behavior, he's like, whatever else happens, that guy cannot become God. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much sacrifice it takes literally i cannot sacrifice more than i already am i will throw everything that i have into this effort to make sure that if anyone becomes god it isn't him a 999 day uh time limit on all of uh this selection nonsense um which i still think we have i'm pretty sure we haven't explained yet but uh uh, the uh, time limit, he's not going to reach the end of it. I might as well just say right now, the the explanation that we get is that 13 people are chosen uh, who uh, are about to take their own lives. They've given up on the hope of life. They've given up on the hope of life, so they're given these amazing tools. And then after uh, 999 days, or if all but one of them dies up to that point, which is where Metropolitan gets his idiotic ideas... One of them is selected and will become God for an indeterminate amount of time. I don't think they give given until God decides he's done and wants to retire because all living things eventually yearn for death. Hokkaido is like, I'm not going to live long enough for this to end peacefully. So I am either going to take down the guy who's murdering people over this. I'm at least going to make sure that someone awful doesn't get picked. Exactly. He can't let a demon become God while his children are going to be living in this world. And that is why I absolutely love this man. He is on a time limit and he is going as hard as he possibly can, kickstarting all of the character action of our protag squad. Uh, Mr. Mikaido uh, had immediately expended his entire allotment of red arrows to get a bevy of private investigators and psychologists under his control in order to have his information network spread out. 
Yeah, this is the one part where um, if you wanted to read uncharitably, you could say that this seems a little mind controlly, but it's, you know, it's stuff that happens off screen and and, you know, asking for asking someone who loves you for favors is, you know, there is a difference between you now love me and are under my complete control. You will go to this place and hey, could you look this up for me? Could you look? Could you go to this place and look for these kinds of people? Because like they talk about the private investigators like they're mind controlled. They are very much not. (laughs) Well, no, he's he asked a bunch of experts in the field to do their friend a favor. Like, yeah, Yeah. he is the least egregious in this regard. And so uh, now that we have our hero squad assembled, we need to make sure that we are uh, wholly understanding of the villainous nature of our villainous villain. As we cut to Kanade, Metropolitan Man, going full code Geass in his school of villains. Yeah, his his school uniform is essentially like a French general's uniform. <laughs> yeah, that was that took me out because I'm just like, are we seriously seri- with especially with the hair and the looks and everything? Oh, my gosh. I am riding this wave of ham, okay? <laughs> I am riding high on this wave of ham. That was not, it was not like an exaggeration to say it was code gas in here. It's just everything. The Josu uh, Academy. Uh, if you had told me this chapter was an excerpt from a Gundam Naval Academy, I would not have, <laughs> not, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> He looks like a modern Gundam character. Oh, that makes me sad. So yeah, Metropolitan Man, Kanade, and his uh, and his friend from school. I don't know if we get his name. I've just called him Red Hair Boy. I mean, we do. I just don't remember what it is. Yeah, Red anyway, Hair but Boy. he but he is the grandson of the headmaster. Uh huh. And so uh, they go to creep on the girls archery club, which they specifically point out their middle schoolers, which is uh, yeah, not fantastic. Oh, you want to know the not fantastic part that made me hate uh, the villain? The line he says to his friend who's okay. in all fairness, these characters we're talking about are 14. So creeping on the middle schoolers is not as bad as it could. It's not the same thing at all, really. It's, it's not a, the same it's thing. It's a one-year difference. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah, because um, they are just it. Or are they? Just, well, actually, they don't give the exact age, but you're right. It's not, like, isn't it? It's yeah. later revealed that he's slightly older than Mirai and Saki, though. Like, a couple years. Uh, we, we never get that confirmed. It's still not as creepy as it could be. Look, any, anyway, I want to... Please, yeah, let yeah, me yeah. get to the line that is creepy. Kanada, um, to his friend, go, while his friend is just like, hey, those girls are pretty cute, right? Kanada has the line... Yes, they're just slightly older than the age at which women are most perfect. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> uh-huh. No. Yeah, that's why I, that's why you get bad vibes from this. And, and uh, again, they're building a mega villain. Yeah. And kind of it says, hey, if you could have anything, anything at all, what would it be? And his friend says, uh, for all the ugly women in the world to disappear. And he says, yeah, I could probably do that. You die, though. You combine <laughs> two things. Uh, I think I am combining two different things. Yeah, so first, he says that he, he wants all the cool people, like... He he wants all the ugly women in the world to disappear, to which yes. his friend's like, I can... That sounds amenable. I can do that. And then he's like, I'd probably also want every guy more handsome than me to go away, too. And then he goes, but then yeah. I'd go die. Mm-hmm. Off the table. 
<laughs> and then his friend's just like, are, are you asking me like wish fulfillment or why do you have like such, yeah. this is a weird conversation. Also, we're going to talk about the fact I saw you writing in a notebook earlier that said, if I was God, we're going to just not talk about that thing you were doing in public. <laughs> we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about that. Watch as I demonstrate a, a new development of my powers that only the audience will see. For you, it looks like I'm just pointing at this archery target. Canada talks to his friend like he's not there or not a person is amazing. You don't understand yeah. how much, how far up his own butt he is. <laughs> oh, all the way. We're almost there. <laughs> he's so far up his own butt, he's coming out his own mouth. Yes. He is, he is a Mobius loop. As he's having his nice day at school, we uh, segue into one of the moments in this manga that just me go, go, um, what the fuck am I reading? Uh, yeah. Because he flies home to the uh, Jose Corporation. Josu. Josu. That's right. The Jose Corporation would be a very different corporation, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> the Josuke Corporation. They only sell hair gel. <laughs> the Jose Corporation. We only do romances of 30-year-old women. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, and it, he looks like it's going, he lives in the chemical plant from Megalomechanica. Like, uh -huh. Yeah, no, he, if you weren't convinced this guy was a supervillain, his base of operations is a giant factory. And he flies through a bunch of security doors. He's to, something out of Clayman's backstory. <laughs> Yep, to a cryo room where we see frozen in carbonite, his little sister. I'm glad you said it because I was going to point out the fact that she she really does look. Like... So we got a tie in Batman universe. Yes, he's, he's got Mr. Freeze's backstory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So you think this guy's a good guy? Except on except it's not his wife. It's his little sister. Um. <laughs> If he had his way, he, that would be his wife. <laughs> suddenly, that sounds it, like it. Suddenly, his obsession with the that particular age of girl is um, both more explained and far, far more disturbing and disgusting. If they could only stay frozen that way forever. Dear God, I really hope he dies by the end of this manga. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he pulls out a chair and <laughs> just sits across from his... The frozen corpse of his little sister we get established later. Happy birthday. She's very specifically dead, because like in that conversation, he's like, but I can't get the one thing that I want. Dramatic turn. Which I would bring back the dead. If I was God, I would bring back the dead. In all fairness, is also my favorite interpretations of that Mr. Freeze backstory is when he never actually could heal her. Like, uh-huh. That's, that's the tragic irony of it all, is everything he's doing is not justified. <laughs> he's got a frozen little sister, in case this manga had any grounding in reality. Uh, <laughs> Riding the wave of ham! Look, I'm not even going to talk about the technological advancement of this era. We'll get we, there. We will get to Cancer Dad creating... <laughs> <laughs> a Super Sentai power suit for Saki later. Yeah, yeah Saki's Saki's the egregious thing. Yeah, the anyway. other two, the other two aren't so bad, but Saki's. But we're not quite there yet because currently, yeah, we need to get down to um my least favorite character. Ah, uh, yeah, that this this fun little uh, 
Girl A. Keep calling her Girl A, despite the fact she is very clearly named Mimi Me. Yes, yeah, no, she's Mimi Me. Because apparently Japan has a certain level of credence in its uh, media ethics. They did not release her name. She is known only to the public as Girl A. Even though it got leaked online. Yep, there's a there's a good side effect about how that was unfortunate that a uh, youth criminal had their identity leaked. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Girl A is um, a serial killer who seduces mm-hmm. and murders girls uh, roughly her own age until she spent about three years in prison. But she never really got over that, so she's still seducing and murdering middle school girls. Mm-hmm. Look, I I ain't want to get too uh, <laughs> I ain't want to get too lefty here on the podcast, but wow, the queer representation is a serial killer. Thank um, you for I uh, I I didn't want to be the one to say it, but yes, that, that bothered me so much. That's what the kids call not a good luck. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's not great. So, first scene we have of her is Metropolitan Man landing at a uh, a secluded home in the woods and walking into a, a, a scene straight out of a Yuri hentai. It's the it's the psycho lesbian serial killer murderer like pernicious trope thing. I will say this, and again, I, like I don't want to be a negative Nancy. If I see something wrong with something, I want to like suggest an alternative. Um, not necessarily that like this is how the story should change, but like here's another like here's something else you could work with. Because like considering how hammy this series is, the thing that irritated me most about this is that like this is the only LGBT plus representation in the series. Everyone else is very very hetero. Mm-hmm. So now. I actually really like Mirai and Saki's relationship and how it develops over the course of what we read. So I understand, like, you know, and I want everyone to understand, I would be sacrificing something I'd like to do this. This is just me, like, spitballing ideas. There's this really cute bit where Mirai and Saki are, like, talking about, you know, how this, all this God candidate stuff and, like, you know, uh, Mirai makes a comment about and how we can be happy together in the future. And Saki's like, well, not together with you and it's like oh right sorry like (laughs) like make her lgbt plus as well Mm. so then you have a positive character that you like also as representation because it's not it's not even necessarily that it's a villain that's lgbt plus it's that she's the only one it's also that the villain's motivation is to bang prepubescent girls yeah 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 that's not great i don't like it but with the wave of ham i'd be more forgiving if she wasn't the only like it it wouldn't it wouldn't Mm. you know take away the fact that that's a pernicious trope but it would be more forgiving especially with the tone of the rest of this series being as wacky as it is I mean, so- if, there was a, if there was somebody else, S- Saki would be a very bad choice for that. But <laughs> well, I, actually, when we get into her character development, I'll explain why I think that she'd be a great choice for that. But I also like Saki as she is. So I'm not saying that this is like the obvious fix to the problem. Mm. It's just that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Circling back to the nature of the Red Arrows, the fact that Girl A has escaped prison uh, is on the news. And so naturally, our heroes think that she is a god candidate. But no, Metropolitan has broken her out of prison and stabbed her with a Red Arrow. They just cause you to spend... They, they just awaken things that were already in your heart and crank them up to 11. When Metropolitan Man walks in on this uh, Yuri hentai scene, 
uh girl a says hey how about a threesome and it's like oh great not only is the queer representation a villain that's also the bi representation yeah. that's a big that's a big oof for me fam <laughs> it's not even really bi representation it's very much the exception to her lesbianism is metropolitan because, because of, of the arrow yeah and even then it's not so much she's attracted to him i get the feeling of it's it's just like a hundred percent love with a hypersexualized character yeah, it, yeah, because because how this character how this character interprets love is through sexuality because yeah. she is not because she is mentally ill. The other thing again, is pernicious tropes, but the red arrow is not mind control. She's just normally like this. Like, yes, yes. I am so glad I'm not the only <laughs> not even that I expected to be the only one irritated by this. But like, I didn't think her character was great for anything so yeah. um like it yeah the, the amount of time she lasts though it makes a hundred percent why she's this much of a character true oh though, yeah so. yeah that's true too like like it's not a fault of the story mm -hmm. there are numerous ra reasons to hate girl a the least of which being she is uh mimi uh mimi ren and so she uh says did i make a mistake her in yeah she uh she she's... uh does full cutesy idol nonsense too uh she yeah she's her amateur model she was all that she was a scene chick well no she yeah yeah like essentially like mm -hmm. scene chick social media person so she, she's been in jail for three years right yes yeah I believe so she's so. 17 18. Mm -hmm. her only clothing throughout most of her appearances is an oversized button down that isn't buttoned and her glasses that's because most of her appearances, she's in the middle yeah. of in the middle yeah. of boning her latest victim. Yeah. 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 Anyway, let's let's move on from this. Yeah. Yes, please. Let's. We're, we're talking about it a lot more than it is the subject of being in the manga. Um, yeah. So another girl dies to the serial killer. The interesting thing is their bodies are being dis deposited on top of a radio tower. Grand Tower, this massive landmark in the center of the city. With the interesting being the only people who normally go up there are like maintenance workers. To haul a body up there is such an insane amount of work. Unless you could fly. Unless you could fly. And uh, I think it's important to point out something that I don't think we've mentioned yet. When a god candidate is killed. When they specifically when they die of anything. Another god candidate can claim their arrows and wings. The last person to hit the body having the most claim if it comes down to competing the last person who hit it with a red arrow has the greatest claim the last person to hit them with a red arrow gets first uh dibs on the items then the person that killed them then anyone who's around who asks because of the incident at the stadium metropolitan has three sets of wings and three sets of arrows he also got i don't know if he got wings but he got arrows from the uh the first victim the the yeah. guy who didn't matter from forever ago <laughs> Yeah, and he gave a set of wings and red arrows to girl A. Mm -hmm. Which is how she's been doing her murders, to which uh, the main characters do the math of, and initially think she can only kill 14 people, but then are informed that when someone with your red arrow in them dies, you instantly get the red arrow back. To their horror, they realize that means she can do an infinite amount of murders. 
for yeah for 33 days so long as the red arrow from metropolitan is lodged within her and one thing that was established um very very early on your red arrows only work on someone once you can't just shoot them again because yep. that would make the time limit pointless <laughs> And if someone is already pierced with the red arrow, yours will get deflected. Yeah, if if um, someone's pierced with the red arrow, it wears off. A different person can shoot them. But if they're already red arrowed or if you have ever red arrowed them, it doesn't work. Yep. We learned most of this from uh, from Cancer Dad's angel, Barrett. The angel of knowledge. The angel of knowledge, because she's just a know-it-all with a monocle. Yeah, and that's why Rebel, like, hates her. She's like, oh my god. She got demoted from Spec Ops Angel to First Class Angel by God for being a know-it-all. <laughs> I love her. She's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Sam, I wonder why you like her so much. I can think of two reasons. <laughs> it, is, is it the two episodes of Kill Six Boy and Demon Seated? Oh, I was going to say the two, like, D-grade reasons why you might like her. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. That's on another, that's on another episode. We'll go into that later. That, that's on a list. I'm not joking. <laughs> okay. The worst part is I know you're being honest about that comment. About yes. not being joking. I know that's true. <laughs> so anyway, Girl A is on an absolute killing spree and our noble heroes cannot let this stand mirai because he hates to see anybody die cancer dad i should really memorize his name i had it until you guys put cancer dad in my brain <laughs> no, not yeah it's, it's uh nanato Mokai. yeah yeah mukaido 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 idol yeah uh mirai is like uh life is sacred and should a be mental preserved. breakdown every uh -huh. time this comes up yeah and mukaido is like i have a daughter and therefore i am my dad powers tell me i must protect every young girl well also he stole military grade hardware this scene <laughs> oh my god i love this scene because he says goodbye to his wife kisses her on the cheek, walks up to the roof of their building, picks up the two duffel bags he just has up there for some reason and flies over, reveals the duffel bags are full of military grade weapons he stole, takes out a gun and is just like, you're gonna need these guns. That's a crime. He just shoves guns at these two children like, hey, here's some guns for you. Excuse me? <laughs> He's not kidding around though. And I love how they like say multiple times, that's illegal! And he's like, uh, yeah, I know that. Shut up. You're, you're aware people are trying to kill you right now, right? <laughs> the way that it's, like, framed and drawn to, he, like, starts dramatically loading the clips and then has to Jojo pose with images of his family framed behind mm. him. Mm -hmm. Riding the wave of ham. <laughs> I don't want to just be a father who achieved nothing. The father who didn't try for the sake of his children. I have this opportunity. I'm going to do everything I can with it. As his wings are flaring, the arrows are channeling yeah. on his wrists. He's holding the guns like... <laughs> He's surrounded by like TV images of memories with his family. <laughs> He is super dad. Wave super of dad. ham. <laughs> we are surfing the wave of ham right now. I love this guy. Uh, Mikaido straps up in a bomb squad outfit as he gives uh, as he gives Mirai an outfit that feels like it's something out of God. What was the what was that 
video game that thought it was going to replace TF2? I have no idea, but it looks like he's wearing Deku's stealth outfit. Yeah. But this came out before Deku's stealth outfit. <laughs> Mirai is strapped up like a like the post-apocalyptic hero he is. Well, talking <laughs> about Sam, this is your everyday ordinary motorsports gear. <laughs> he's in a skin tight outfit with a hood and a gas mask what kind of motorsports gear do you need that doesn't have protective eyewear <laughs> like it's more it's more ham for the wave it looks like a superhero costume because it is it is in all fairness we don't get told it has any special properties other than it was too expensive to mass produce and i'm like no like yeah <laughs> No, I, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but Mr. Mercado used to work for a uh, for a like a fashion developer. I think he still does. Yeah. Well, no, no, uh, he's, no he's, he says he used to, but he quit because of his cancer. Yeah, he he left the like there was probably like a severance thing when he was diagnosed with. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I need to apologize. The American in me just was unable to believe that someone could have health insurance without a job. <laughs> <laughs> You got to remember, this is a Japanese story. But he still has the skills of a clothing designer. And so he makes the superhero outfits for our characters, which is where we go full samurai flamenco. The thing is, this isn't something he made. This is just an extra. Thing. <laughs> yeah, because like supposedly Mirai's suit is a motocross sports suit thing. OK, cool. And then he's in a bomb suit. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second and a half. The bomb suit he did explicitly steal from the military. And the bomb suit does actually also look like an actual bomb suit, too. Like, yeah. that is the lead. That's the. OK, but like, can we just stop for a second and realize his bomb suit outfit is the least egregious part of this? And it's still insane. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> we've been desensitized to the madness. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob, and Jacob, we gotta, we gotta go and fight the uh, teenage girl serial killer on top of Mount <laughs> Grand <laughs> on, on top of Grand Tower in the middle of Tokyo. <laughs> I, I do appreciate with the angel wings, they just basically teleport to next scenes and I love it. <laughs> Except when they don't. <laughs> well, this is actually a important distinction because like the actual like function and mechanics of the angel tools do actually come up as plot points and like this stuff this stuff isn't me enjoying the hammy stupidity of it i actually really like the way that they're careful about how they describe and talk about the arrows and the wings because the wings don't teleport you they're not light speed they are faster than the eye can see because they're moving so fast that nothing will get in their way they can just skip to next scene and functionally use it like teleporting but they're careful about how they talk about how the different tools work so that like it makes lo it, it makes as much logical sense as you know this I, nonsense can get i'm gonna be honest jacob i would be very impressed if the speed of the wings ever actually came up based on how fast they need to be to do the things they do but yeah you're right they they do distinctly say there is a limit to them i just don't think that would ever realistically come up well, yeah. I mean, it's it, it has to do with actually it has to do with this this scene specifically in like 
you still have to actively dodge the arrows. Uh-huh. You know, like there's still like it's not like you're instantly teleporting between two spaces. You have to physically move out of the way. It basically means that this scene makes any sense because you can actually fail dodging because there's a speed limit on the wings. Yes. And uh so we have the plan, the plan for this encounter from our protag team is uh it, it really highlights my favorite character dynamic which is mirai's all life is sacred and must be protected versus Merka- uh, Mikado's i'm going to die any second now my life means nothing <laughs> <laughs> it is just those two ideals constantly slamming heads together like they're yaks on the top of a mountain somewhere <laughs> and i love it and so uh, Mikado's constantly like, no, let me be the guinea pig. Let me be the bait so that you can get in and actually get... No, you're not going to die. The only way this is working is if I use a red arrow on Metropolitan because I'm not going to kill anybody and you're not going to die either. Okay, kid, jeez. <laughs> um, I'm still bringing the guns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still bringing the guns because the other thing is, I think we mentioned this in passing, but just to make it clear so like the tactics make sense as much as they do with these dum-dums, Mukaido's uh, 14 arrows are in are still in the various like private investigators and like police and like mm-hmm. various like investigative people uh, that so, he used. That That is how he found them. We didn't mention that he found Mirai and Saki by using those PIs to to uh, canvas the crowd and find likely God candidates at the stadium. Yeah, at the stadium. So, yes. So any arrow usage that uh, Cancer Dad is doing right now is a complete bluff. And again, this is the part where it's like, oh, yeah, no, the creator of Death Note made this. <laughs> well, you, you think that. and then, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I do love the next scene because they set it up so great. I love it because um, Cancer Dad lands at the lip of the of the tower to where girl A is just lying down, casually scrolling the internet on her phone. Oh, Metropolitan Metropolitan ordered her to uh, to wait um, there, clear clear the top of the tower so that the body doesn't get removed, and then post the image of the body on social media yeah. to draw we people ha- out. We have to talk about one of my favorite scenes in the manga because uh, girl A is just flying around the top of the tower, casually fluttering about where people are seeing her and posting about it on social media. Uh, and the police go up there to retrieve the body. She shoots all of them with red arrows to make them retreat, except for the police chief or whatever, like the senior officer on, on uh, scene is who says, where's your honor as policemen? I might love her as well, but she's a killer and a criminal. We need to take her down. Mm-hmm. And I adore this moment because it's that moment. It's that bit of heroic willpower coming through and fighting off the effect of the arrows, which proves everything Matt repeated numerous times earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. Alas, it serves only as an illustrative moment, not necessarily a plot one, because the other officers are wholly enraptured and overwhelm the guy and cart him off. Yeah, they drag him away because the other thing is it's not even necessarily that he's saying that we have to take her down. He, it, like he wants to do his job and take the body of this murder victim away to for the sake of the uh, family and whatnot. It's not even that like we have to take her down. It's that I'm still going to do my job. And that's like the illustration of it's not controlling the mind. 
because he's a police chief. He he values his life, his job more than any of his loved ones, his wife, his children. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we get uh, our our uh, fabulous heroes um, join up on the scene, Nanato and uh, Mirai, uh, because Saki stays behind because she does not have wings as they kind of fly around uh nanato lands on the very furthest outskirts of it like he's standing on the railing in his bomb suit basically holds a gun at uh mimimi and basically starts making demands of her to which she goes you should have shot me before i could have reacted now i can just fly away but you're not going to are you you caught me i gotta stay right here wait what do you mean yeah, you're so far away. I can just cut loose. You should get a little closer. Wait, hold on. Get a little closer. Ah, and then it everything explodes. Because oh. the uh, the last wave of ham had broken, we need to make another wave to surf on. No, oh, you shut up. The exploding <laughs> tower makes the most sense. Like <laughs> that, it, yeah. That's not even hammy. Like that's, that's just even, that's that is that is surprisingly logical for how insane the rest of it M is. More but... hammy would be the serial killer knife fight on top of the tower for your. Yeah, that's true. No, you got him to the location. Blow up the location. Like problem solved. Our villain is probably the smartest, most death notey character. That was actually a smart decision. Funny that uh, um, Mikaido was in a bomb suit. How about that? <laughs> oh, he, he does mention he thought this could happen. That's probably why he flew to the outer because uh, Mikaido is also the second smartest character. Probably easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is the adult. A legitimately cool, not hammy moment where he's like, I didn't think that would happen, but I knew there was a chance that would happen. And I'm glad that I took the contingency plan. <laughs> it's there's one of my favorite scenes actually right here when um, his body is on fire and flying away because he's knocked out momentarily and he's falling to the ground and Mirai has to go and save him. Like screaming at him, but meanwhile the angels are just hovering there like, yeah, we knew he was okay. Well, no, Nessa's just like, oh good, he survived. And um, Greta is just like, you know, we're angels. We instinctively know when people die, right? He was, we, we knew he wasn't in danger. And she's just like, I know. Nessa's <laughs> just along for the ride. <laughs> Basically. She's here for the meme. He lands safely with him and they don't have any time to relax because immediately um, he's here as Metropola Man is floating in the head like Sephiroth. Everything I said earlier about how uh, I am a huge sucker for angeling aesthetics comes to full bore during this fight. Because he's got like the three pairs of wings. Uh huh. He's got he's got the extra wings. He's silhouetted against the sun, so his wings are uh, colored black by the shadows. Uh, our two heroes are constantly posing around him with their own wings looking really cool. <laughs> you got to have those those feathers flying everywhere. Uh-huh. He also got his uh, wings and arrows back from Mimimi because she definitely died in that explosion. There is no ambiguity. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, she's dead. What is simultaneously my favorite scene and also... You know what? I don't even really think I have a qualifier for this. I just really like this moment. Because we get in a little philosophical argument between Metropolitan Man and Mirai on the sanctity of life. Uh, Metropolitan Man calls Mirai uh, juvenile 
and uh, childish for believing that life is so important. Mirai hits him with the classic, do you even know what it's like to lose a loved one? Yes, I do. And that's why I feel absolutely nothing as I pull out this cell phone with the detonator leading to a second bomb that I've totally placed around here. And if any, if either of you attack me, I will hit the button and slaughter thousands. Nanato goes, well, I've lived a good life. Time to die. <laughs> Which is what he says every other panel. It really yep. do be like that. Yeah, but I mean, he's also a man of action. He's just like, well, I've got nothing to lose. We got to go now. Mirai's like, I got to digest this. I, I can't. I obviously can't hurt anybody because I just can't. No. Yeah. The, and honestly, the thing I really like about Mikaido, he knows that inevitably his body is going to fail him. He doesn't really express this particularly well to Mirai, which is why they argue a lot. Basically, his perspective is his preferred outcome is that both of them live. But if one of them has to die, he's going to, you know, he's going to be the one to accept that because my body is simply going to expire at some point. I don't want it to happen. I do have a will to live now because of all this stuff that's been happening. But at some point, my body is just going to stop working. It's going to happen. There's also a strong through line with Mokaido that while he knows his body is going to inevitably give out because of the cancer that's eating him up inside, he would much prefer dying a hero. Yeah. Because yeah. he, the one thing he is terrified of is his illness getting the better of him. He yes. wants to go out blaze of glory. Yeah, because yes. when, when we see him, when he's giving the backstory, the place he was in his despair was the fact that he was stuck in that hospital bed, unable to even move. Uh-huh. And that was that was the point when he had given up on life. So now that he has the ability to, with these wings, go wherever he wants... Again, and not to say that this is like a writing thing. This is a, you know, character misunderstanding within the story. But like he does a really bad job of explaining that to Mirai. So a lot of their scenes boil <laughs> down to them arguing over whether or not he he should try to die or not. And it's like, look, I'm not trying to die. I'm just saying if it's between me and you, it's going to be me. <laughs> look, I'm just saying I, I know I've got a few days left. If I run into a tiger on the way, I think it'd be a much cooler death to die fighting a tiger. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's also kind of, and I've already pointed this out, but it's just kind of like, it's interesting how so far all the main characters at this point in their lives, like, um, and I don't recall if Saki has already gone into her backstory a little bit, but it's just interesting that... Both of, essentially both of them have yet to rediscover or find their happiness. And obviously Mukaido has had happiness and wants to preserve that happiness. And that's kind of what propels him for like forward. And so his that's why he's able to make these kind of these kind of split decisions, because it's less like trying to figure out what needs to be done. He already has he wants to die for a cause. Well, yes, but he has a cause like his he's already found his happiness. He knows what that is. He's not ambiguous like these two teenagers. Well, yeah, because like the one thing he was like existential and fearing about was that he was going to leave his like newly pregnant wife. Well, I guess not newly pregnant. She's yeah, she's pregnant with her second very kid. Pregnant. But, um, his pregnant wife and daughter Who, with nothing. Who loves him 
and he yeah. was he had a successful career that he enjoyed. Which, but the thing is, he immediately solved that problem by stealing two hundred million yen. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, did he did he steal it or did he use the red arrow to have a millionaire gift him? He stole it. <laughs> he. He stole it by using the red arrow to get a millionaire to give him. I mean, it's a gift. You're right. Legally, his children are not going to have to deal with the fact it's stolen money. There is a difference there. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, that is an important distinction. You're right. Yeah, it was a gift. They might not remember. Or I don't know if they're like, why did I gift it to that random guy Like when it wears off? But it's like the fact is they... That's a very easy explanation to a millionaire. Why did I donate $200 million to a man who had a pregnant wife and daughter and died of cancer? Oh, wait, no, I'm not a monster. <laughs> we don't know that. We do not know that. We have met the mega villain. We have met the mega villain. <laughs> yeah, we're going to find out that all the rich people that these people have been uh, uh, gift stealing money from are also all as bad as Metropoly Man. <laughs> we have basically we have a Mexican standoff. Uh huh. We have the ethos of all of our characters on full display. Metropoly Man does not care about casualties. Mirai cares very much about protecting the sanctity of life. Mercado is fully ready to die if it means a blaze of glory that will keep his family safe. He's also one of the few people who recognizes that this moral discussion is completely pointless because they are talking to someone who is insane. Exactly. <laughs> yes, again, he is the adult in the room. And like, that's why I love him. Yeah, all of Kanade's responses are also basically like this discussion is pointless. At one point, he responds to Mirai's question with the exact answer he wants, followed immediately by, is that what you want me to say? Did I win the conversation? Can we move on now? Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, you sound like a school kid right now, right? There is one moment that I really liked from this because like Mirai as a character has a lot of room to grow because his ideals are honestly the kind of ideals I personally aspire to. But there are people who are telling him the real world is messier than that. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And while I feel that he can find his own happy medium and like that's what his character arc will be, assuming this doesn't just have a really tragic ending, which honestly it could, that would be interesting in its own way. But like, you know, it's a strong character moment for him because like, again, he's he's doing a lot of like philosophizing with someone who doesn't have any have any emotions to play on. Who doesn't have a core of morality to philosophize from. Right. There, there's a moment where the two of them are talking and Metropoly Man is he's he's playing the the superhero like he's a supervillain and the, the story and frankly, the world knows it, but he's playing the part of the superhero. You know, he mentioned something about keeping casually casualties to a minimum. And like one of the few cases where it's not Mirai like waffling or being gutless about it, where he just has a moment of clarity. and He says this never had to be a death game. You fired the first shot. Mm-hmm. Was that necessary? That's, I think, one of his strongest character moments because there's just such a level of clarity to that of that is the line, isn't it? Like you started this. You don't get to justify anything because the, we all would have just been living our lives with these extraordinary powers if you didn't start killing people. You don't just get to set up a bomb and then throw someone on the switch and then blame them for what they've caused. <laughs> Which is something that happens to multiple characters in this, but we'll we'll get on with that. Yeah, yeah, strong, strong Mirai moment. 
uh-huh very strong Mirai moment which becomes stronger as he declares that he is going to pierce much apollo man with a red arrow rather than shoot the red arrow he decides to wield it like an arms sword <laughs> which so uh an important thing that does happen right here is uh, they bring their angels out with yes. Metropolitan Man having his angel come up to watch his back, to which they repeat as if it's their idea as well. Oh, good idea. Our angels can watch for like, because you can move faster than a human eye can blink. Realistically, you can get shot before you can turn around. Before yeah. you notice it. Yeah, if you don't notice it coming. But the important thing is um, Mirai and uh, Mokaido have their angels come up, but they have each of their respective angels guard the other so that it appears that Mokaido has the special rank white killing arrows and Mirai is only the first rank. Yes, mm -hmm. because Mirai would never use the white arrows to start with because he's abhorrent to the idea of death. So it also focuses Metropolitan Man's uh, efforts. Mokaido is the more expendable one because he's going to die of cancer anyway. Like, you know, like it almost feels bad to put it that way, but that's the long and short of it. That's how Mokaido would put it. It's <laughs> like, how yeah. he would it, like, yeah, it's how he would it's put it. It's how he does put it. Yeah. Um, Actively. Several so. times. <laughs> and Mirai keeps yelling at him for it. <laughs> Mirai uses his angel wings to uh, block the white arrow shots because while no mortal weapon can uh, interact with angel equipment, angel equipment can interact with angel equipment. So Mirai is blocking shots of the white arrows on Makaido with his own arrows. I, I love how all of the angels are confused this works. <laughs> Even the know-it-all angel is like, man, I never thought of that. Yeah. Because, first of all, Mirai is refusing to fire his... Actually, you know what? It's because the wings are faster than the arrows. Yep. So a melee attack... Oh, you know what? It does make sense. Because if he no, because if he tried to shoot the 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 arrows travel at the same speed, so you could never block a shot with an arrow. You'd have to fly like that's the only way you can intercept is by flying because the wings move faster. Um, yep. he he blocks the first shot by shooting, but only because nobody like he sees that Metropolitan Man is about to shoot and shoots first. Mm hmm. But like from then on, he's using it like a melee weapon because and, you know, now that you mention it, it does click in my mind, too. They're basically useless as ranged weapons if your opponent has wings. Mm -hmm. And Mirai is sobbing throughout this. Tears are streaming down his face. He's ugly crying because also remember he is a gas mask that is currently vomiting moisture. To the degree that I'm wondering if he also <laughs> threw up a little in his mask because he actively does. He's he's not having a good time, guys. This is he the really worst. does. This is the worst day of his life. This is a completely non-lethal method of fighting, and he's still very upset about it. He's a he's a very soft boy. Yeah. <laughs> As I as I said, his character development seeds have been laid, but he's he's not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. So there's this crazy battle as he's parrying shots from Metropolitan Man, and they're having this crazy dance in the air. And Mikado is like, "But you can't win like this. You're eventually going to get hit." unless you're just creating a distraction for me. And he uses his wings to teleport behind Metropolitan Man, whip out both guns, and gat, gat, gat! In the back of the head! <laughs> Empties two clips from a 1911 in his head! 
nothing personnel kid it is insanely <laughs> brutal the only thing that makes it not like going straight to x-rated is uh metropolitan Man had a bu- bulletproof helmet fair we, that much we can expect at this point yeah they also not, expected him to be bulletproof i'm not mad i'm just saying <laughs> riding that wave he he empties over 20 shots into this man's head point blank and it does zilch except scratches his head yep and it breaks the helmet enough that mirai gets to look at his very handsome face that's that's it that's the extent (laughs) metropoly man flies away yeah but hey girl a is dead so mission accomplished right boys i mean technically I mean, yeah, the, the problem is solved for the time being, and the fact Mirai saw his face is actually huge, but yes. we won't actually know that because Mirai is going through some stuff right now. Every freaking time. He goes into a full PTSD crisis. Mir- Mirai's had a lot of PTSD, which is... Like, um... like, to the point where I almost wish his parents hadn't told him something like that. It's caused him such pain and suffering. And I don't think they ever intentioned him to do this. Yeah, did uh, we talk... I forget, did we talk about the scene with his dad? Because I, I think that flashback's kind of funny. I don't think we have. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's like... It's, I think it's actually around this time... I thought did. it happened at the baseball stage, but maybe I'm wrong. No, no, that's where we got the flashback with his mom. The flashback with his dad happens about now. Yeah, because we flashback to the mom flashback a couple of times. Like we get we get a couple of different versions of that scene. It does make you wonder uh, what his parents would think of him if what they said is not is not wrong, and it's very and it's something you would definitely tell your young child. With the understanding that as they grow up and develop, that you know they won't be like. Stunted yeah. like this. So, so essentially what we do get is that his um, dad is at the, uh, they're having a picnic at the park, him, his dad, and his mom. Does Did he have a younger sibling? I forget. Yes. He yeah. had a younger okay. brother. Okay. So he had a younger brother who was, his mom was with the younger brother at that point. So he's talking with his dad and he's just like, hey, mom said that every human's goal should be to be happy. But like, that's hard, right? To always be happy. Like, what should we do in the meantime? And the dad's just like, well, son. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing a dad voice, but I'm committed. Uh, (laughs) What's the one thing nobody should ever do? Well, I can only assume murder. Whoa, whoa, kid. Whoa, obviously don't murder. We're not even on that level here. That's illegal. You are correct, but I meant more small scale than that. Dude, you're like six. We're getting into some deep conversation here. No, no, no. If you kill people, then they die. I'm a little concerned why that was your first thought, kid. Anyway, in all fairness to the dad, he does have very much of that energy during this conversation that his six-year-old son asked him a deep conversation he was not ready to have. But Man, Mans literally says, dude, I'm like 35. I'm not old enough to answer these questions. <laughs> he literally says that. It's pretty great. Yep. And, and he's basically like, look, I guess the only thing you can really control over is how you react to things. And like one of the things that the world would probably be better off with if people didn't hate each other as much. That would solve a lot of problems. And you know what you can do as a single individual? You can just try not to hate people. And Mirai went, never hate anybody no matter what they do. Got you, Dad. I, I don't think I said it like that, but I'm also a figment of your imagination. Well, I hope my good nature is never abused by my brother in some kind of insurance scheme. 
<laughs> yeah. And, that would and, never happen. And I mean, that always that stuck with me throughout, just in general. Like, he parrots, like, you know, I was told as a child, my parents told me to pursue happiness and to not kill anyone. Absolutely no, no murder. Murder is bad. And I'm just like, I don't expect, I don't think they ever expected you to be this stunted, though, and to go into meltdowns well, over this. <laughs> This is also an absurd life and death situation. Like his his PTSD is very warranted. Uh-huh. His PTSD is absolutely warranted, but like it's also very much the case where um he's in an absurd situation and people keep pointing out to him that like this is not normal. We have magic powers. Well, yeah, but like I said earlier, if he was the kind of character like he, like Light Yagami, where he had the intestinal fortitude to get stared in the face by an angel upside down and not flinch, we wouldn't be here right now. But he's not. Like, he's a guy. <laughs> but, like, the thing is that really brings home, like, why he feels this way is during this episode, he, he basically comes down to grips with um, people are saying, hey, you've got white arrows. You could you could have killed him. Yeah, is what he could have killed Metropolitan. He could have. He had the opportunity and he didn't do it because at that point, Metropolitan was not sure they had white arrows. They must have, but they didn't use them for some reason. So he thinks we get from his little scene in a little bit that he thinks they must have somehow tricked him or that he must not have a spec ops angel is the only way that makes sense because he would instantly use his white arrows. So why yeah. would no one? Because that's his big flaws. He assumes everyone always comes to the table of chess grandmaster, where some people are just willing to flip the board. Uh. It's one thing to be told you're in this crazy, wacky situation where you need to act a bit more than what you are. But ultimately, he can't. He's a repressed child with. Yeah. I, I don't even have a vocabulary word for how bad his depressive syndrome is, who is clinging to a platitude from his dead mother as his sole reason for life. I mean, OK, yes, but all, <laughs> I, I think taking his entire philosophy as that of a repressed child is probably being a little dismissive of it. I'm being a little reductive for the hyperbole, but yeah. He, he does format it into like a mantra that makes a lot more sense of like there because everyone around him is telling him, no, murder's OK in this extenuating circumstance. And he's just Mirai is of the opinion. No, it's never OK. Mm -hmm. It, it is a hard line. And a he fair point, I concede. <laughs> yeah. And he he explains it and like he he levels it up and like lying's bad and people can lie all the time and people can lie to me. I don't want to lie. I don't want to be a liar. I would rather be lied to than lie. I'd rather be stolen from than steal. I'd rather be bullied than bully someone. I would you rather be murdered than be a murderer. And mm -hmm. fair. That is a completely valid way of life in that you think that things are wrong. Mm -hmm. The circumstances not at all related to it. Things are wrong because things are wrong. Yep. And other people can do wrong things, but that is not going to make that's, me do them. That's not an excuse to do wrong things yourself. Yeah. And I think I think maybe as a way of like bringing this all back around the the important thing worth noting is Mirai can't like just start sobbing and freeze up in a life and death situation. His philosophy, his ideals, his his moral compass isn't what's wrong. It's 
he needs to develop, you know, strength relative to that to be able to live up to those ideals in this circumstance. That's where his character growth is headed. Like that's, mm -hmm. that is the path that he is on. And over the course of the, over the course of what we read, we are seeing the, the steps on that journey. But you know? the, the one thing that does happen is this uh, strength of character Mirai displays in like bringing this philosophy to words. Uh, that shakes Saki to the core. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And she needs to leave the room because she cannot handle what he just said. We don't get told why, but uh, we will we, be told why. We will be told why because we go into my personal favorite section of our reading. I need to uh, go into the doctor because that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, no, that. Don't worry. Yeah, no, don't worry, kid. I won't kill any more non-god candidates. All right, doc, you're done shooting my head wound. Okay, cool. Oh my, womo. <laughs> Look how he monologues to the doctor. I had a second bomb. I won't kill any more candidates. Both of those were lies. Stab. <laughs> that kills the doctor. He's just becoming a hyperbolic just villain. Oh, like, he, 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 is he, a, just, he just is. He is he is one monologue about new types being the superior gene uh, from yep. being a Gundam villain. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, not reasonable, is that Hold you? Hold on, guys. Maybe in the later chapters, it's going to get there. Hold on. Just saying if they get mech suits. <laughs> done. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, any, anyway, um, he uh, after getting healed, we do get the next, uh, I guess it's a sub arc, because technically all of this is only halfway through the Metropolitan arc. I would argue if your arc is like 80 chapters long, maybe you can subdivide it. But hey. <laughs> but yeah. Um, we get into um, Saki's backstory, which um, I love how this was done. And when I said earlier, I felt like the first chapter was trying to have its cake and eat it too. Um, but it did the same thing better later. I'm talking about this. Because, like, I've been enjoying riding the wave of Ham. And honestly, the places I've had the least fun with Platinum's End is when it tries to take itself seriously. <laughs> I hate to put it that way, but that's how it shakes out. But like, this is such a beautifully done character moment mm -hmm. because especially juxtaposed with Mirai's very fairy tale esque absurd level of suffering that he's gone through, Saki's suffering is so personal and so real. And here's this character that we have had standing in the background, barely ever saying or doing anything. She's always been present, but there's always been a hollowness to her. Even her angel doesn't understand why she gave up on life. In fact, she even claims to her angel that she wasn't going to uh, kill herself. It was uh, in late autumn. Um, it was in March. Yeah, it was in, it was in March. It was like in late winter early spring she was going to throw herself into the ocean and she was just walking into the ocean and, and it was that was crazy. when that was when revel um came to her. you know came to her and uh gave her a second chance and she even denied that she was going to go kill herself like revel doesn't understand why she's so depressed and we find out here that something that we had known about saki all along is that her and Mirai were childhood friends. When Mirai um, went to live with um, his uh, aunt and uncle, 
like they didn't they didn't bathe him like and they would like throw garbage literal garbage on him he was always depressed he was always dirty he didn't have anything and kids being kids you know pick on people it's it's um and the thing that saki couldn't stand we get a little flashback of um uh saki and mirai mirai finds a four-leaf clover and gives it to her that she still has and a lady uh, a yellow ladybug landed on it you know saki says to uh mirai that we'll always be friends but she didn't have the courage to stand up to the crowd bullying him and she joined in the guilt of not being strong enough to do the right thing just crushed her Mm -hmm. and we ultimately find out the reason why she was walking into the ocean is because she went to go talk to Mirai to apologize for all of the awful things that he didn't even notice she did to him. She was just part of the crowd of awful people. His eyes never turned up. Mm-hmm. He bought, he didn't even realize it was her, but all the same, she knew and it was tearing her apart. So she went to apologize and she saw him plummeting off the roof. She saw him falling. She did not see him stop falling. And mm-hmm. that was when she went to the ocean And, like, that is such a... For all of the wacky, stupid nonsense that this series gets up to, that is such a real type of guilt and grief and suffering. Not to say that I've ever, like, experienced that specific kind, but, like, I've mentioned in other episodes, I've dealt with depression before. I kinned with that. I know what that feeling is like. All, All of you, all of you here... My three fellow co-hosts, you're my friends and I love you. (laughs) (laughs) You, our dear listeners, I love you too. Stick around. Notably, you are not our friends. That is unfortunately (laughs) how parasocial relationships work. (laughs) It's okay, listeners. You, You are my internet friends. I appreciate and love you all. We ha- yes, we have a parasocial relationship in which we are not direct friends, but at the same time, you are fellow human beings and I care about you in that regard. So I love you. The part to me that just, it's like I saw this coming as, like Saki is confessing this to um, Mirai. Um, there's a there's a fun bit where... Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to talk about the, the fun bit and then you immediately Ushers. dove into the, the serious part and I'm like, oh, well, when does this happen? <laughs> Um, there, there is a fun bit where Nase ushers Revel out because it's like, oh, they're going to sleep in the same bed. Well, because specifically, that's what um, Saki requests is like, hey, well, first of all, the art style becomes a Junji Ito manga. <laughs> so, <laughs> for a quick second, uh, because Mirai is asleep in the corner of a room somewhere and Saki walks in and says, Mirai, will you come talk with me about something important and it's a it's a straight junji ito shot <laughs> we need a chapter end that gives us some ambiguity but uh then it, it turns out what she it says is i want you to sleep in the bed with me tonight also the angels have to leave we have to be alone and revel is not happy with that because <laughs> there is there is a strong ship between revel and uh, saki that he is definitely it's one-sided he's into it 
I don't think she notices. Saki's very innocent. Uh, it's, it's at this point that we learned that Revel is a massive prude, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nessa's not. She's like, yep, no. that's normal. <laughs> She's on board with this. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's something that it's something that Mirai has wanted. Yep. And in all fairness, they do cuddle in the bed for a bit. It's cute. It's uh, very and, cute. Yes, it's cute and innocent. Unfortunately, uh, the cuddling in the bed was under false pretenses as Saki. <laughs> as she divulges everything Jake just talked about. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, request from Mirai, I want you to kill me. Because <laughs> I want to die. An important thing to note here is that throughout all of this, uh, Nisei, with her purity and innocence, has been a... She's got, like, insight plus 20. She's really great at us uh, at noticing lies. Yeah, well, uh, lie, lie, yeah, lie detecting, because unfortunately there's an insight angel, so... Yeah. Uh, if she can see your face, she can tell if you're lying or not. Uh -huh. Except... Except she can't tell if Saki is lying. Something about her is too enigmatic for even Nisei to figure out. Saki is wearing a mask. She's secretly a robot. <laughs> <laughs> so Mirai is like, oh, you want me to kill you? All right, hold on. Uh, let's go out on the balcony. We'll bind our hands together. Let's fly up into the sky. Uh, we're, we're just going somewhere. And uh, by the way, I'm dropping you. <laughs> no. Well, you know, they, they fly up in the sky. And Mirai drops her before catching her by the hand. And notably, their rings do not bind together. So his his wings are not her wings. Yeah, he undoes his half of the binding because it's yes. you bind on both sides. If she lets go, she will fall. She will die. And Mirai says specifically to her, I'm not going to kill you, but if you want to die... No, this is my favorite part. He doesn't say that. Oh, oh my God, that's right. The angels narrate what he's thinking the entire time. I forgot. <laughs> because they read it on his expression. Yes. And to be fair, and to be fair, again, because I freaking love this section, that is plastered all over his face because mm -hmm. the art is spectacular and that emotive. Uh -huh. This entire sequence of them flying, I knew every beat that was going to happen and like, what a level of catharsis. Like, like my seeing it coming only made it better. Yeah, no, that, that's how you know when you've got something potent. Because you can see it coming. You can feel it. You've noted it through the nature of the story. And it still hits. And that's, and that's what this is. I kind of didn't even really pay that much attention to the angels commentating because the art really carries that scene. It's it's halfway between she can't hold herself up because she's holding, you know, her entire body weight by just one hand. But also like she ha like she has given up on life, like getting the red arrows wasn't enough to make her, you know, give her a will to live again. And she starts to slip. And when she's just about to hit the point of no return, she like leaps and, and grabs with both hands onto um, Mirai's arms. Mm hmm. She initially does let go at some point and then immediately, like, latches back on. Yeah, the important distinction, though, is she does make the decision to die and then immediately... And immediately takes it back, yeah. yeah. And it, it, the thing about it is, that's the easy way out, and that's not taking responsibility for the wrong that she did to... Um, 
to Mirai. To Mirai. The understanding that, like, I did this wrong to you and me dying is just going to be another selfish wrong I'd be doing to you. After seeing a so well-crafted, so realistic level of human suffering that she's gone through, and having Mirai... Like, this is another one of those cases where it's like, Mirai isn't wrong. He needs to grow. He needs to be stronger. But, like, his his caring for life is is a truly admirable thing because he you know he wasn't gonna let her drop mm -hmm. we we only know that because the angels tell us that we we <laughs> yeah. don't know is the big thing like that that is actually left a little ambiguous it's left yeah. ambiguous but it's i think it's i think it's safer to read that he wouldn't have actually let her drop but like and it's that life-threatening moment of adrenaline that breaks through all of her own preconceived notions and awakens the way she truly feels it, it's presented in this ridiculous way of angel winged uh childhood best friends and mm. uh the, this ridiculous circumstance but ultimately it does come down to when the moment itself is on the line do you want to die like but that that's the big thing about saki is her entire life has been following the crowd, doing what is ever easiest. Mm -hmm. And the guilt that she was like, her, her way of suicide was wandering into the ocean, which is, as far as things go, that requires very little, like, it's not the same thing as jumping off a bridge or like things that require a sudden push of effort. It's something you can slowly wade into. Yeah, it's just keep going until you don't have to swim anymore and you drown. Yeah, and like, the whole thing is what she wants is she wants to stop feeling guilty. So her solution to that is, I know if Murai kills me, that will let him get revenge and I won't have to deal with this anymore. I want someone else to take care of my problem for me. I want to do whatever is easy. And every time we've seen her, she has been listening to what Revel tells her to do. She has been listening to what everyone tells her to do just so she yeah. can just go with the flow. Again, I don't see why he likes her. <laughs> There's no well, like... The, the thing that you got to recognize about these characters, and this is actually another really brilliant moment. Mirai basically stopped interacting with the world when he went yeah. to uh, his aunt and uncle. And that is when Saki turned into the way that she is. Or he stopped interacting with the world once they flipped. Because remember, they were all smiles and happy. Like once it happened, like, oh, you poor yeah. thing. And then once they got the money, what they wanted, they're just mm -hmm. like, well. Like, like Mirai idolizes the past. Mm hmm. And the last time he was happy, he was with her. He was with her. Yep. Which, in all fairness, that probably disenfranchise, um, diminishes their relationship. Yeah, it puts an unfair burden on her yeah. because he's idolizing someone who doesn't really exist well, anymore. As, as, as far as we're talking about unfair burdens, she did ask the pacifist to kill her. So maybe we can <laughs> even yeah. out here. I mean... But that's the thing, though. These two kids aren't well. No, uh, yes, they're they, yes. <laughs> no. This entire this entire manga. The big thing is, though, is when she finally makes the decision to let go and immediately regrets it and fights to hold on. That is her choosing to live. That is her taking a step and taking initiative in something she wants. Yep. 
which is the entire catalyst for her character chains moving forward, is the Saki we see from this point on is a Saki who knows what she wants and is willing to do things to make it happen. Yeah, it's it's such a poignantly brilliantly done moment um and like the Saki that we see for the rest of our reading it's the same character design but she looks like a totally different person she stands up straight she has a glow in her eyes that was not there before and she's not okay still you know for her of life is there it doesn't it doesn't take one, you know, angel wing, you know, stunt to solve a nearly an entire life's worth of trauma, but she's willing to put in the effort to make things okay. And I would I would be remiss after all this very serious sake talk. Uh there was a scene in the middle of this whole thing that um while it, it for a discussion point, I'm glad we removed it, but it's very funny. <laughs> Because uh, uh, Nanato goes home to his very pregnant wife. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was an important moment of levity because this could have gotten much darker than it actually was, and it's already about as dark as it gets. It's like two chapters, and these are pretty hefty chapters. You needed to break it up. Like, yeah. As, as much as I am wholly in the moment right now, like this is something I feel super passionately about and want to scream at right now, but like for the sake of our dear listeners, I shan't. Uh, I love this moment <laughs> with our dear cancer dad. As he has that scene you get with um, like any like heart, it's uh, Monica. It's okay. Uh, I don't actually remember his wife's name and I feel kind of bad about that. Or, or well, her, her, her wife's name would also be his last name. That's how it works, Samuel. Uh, are you, oh, you're referring to his daughter. Yeah, I don't remember that. I'm either. referring to his last name. Uh, Makaido. Makaido. Thank you. I, I, I remember Nanato is the only one I remember for him. But uh, Mokaido uh, comes home to his wife, who is just like, hey, you don't work and you have cancer. Where have you been going all day? That clearly isn't your doctor. Uh, cause that, and he's just like, Hey, look, if I told you, you'd think the cancer got to my brain, you would not believe me. And she's just like, we promised we wouldn't lie to each other. And in a lot of other series, he'd be like, well, too bad. This is too dark for you to know. No, my man, Makaido, he pins her to the wall <laughs> and he's just like, look, I'm hanging out with some teenagers to fight a great evil that will ruin the world. I want to get rid of it before I'm gone. And she's like, that makes no sense. But don't you love me and believe me? And she's like, I mean, yes. And he's just like, cool. I'm going to bed. I'm very tired. Gets to the top of the stairs, turns around. Hey, did it turn you on when I pinned you to the wall? Yeah. (laughs) I love this guy. I, I mean, it's called the Commodore, and it's basically like something that is present in a lot of like dramas, you know, when the guy like gets all serious and solemn and just like slams on the wall. And it's just like, hey, it's an exceptionally serious moment that breaks off into being a cute kind of sexy moment. And those are my favorite in any form of fiction. So and very needed with how heavy it got. I love exactly. the look on her face. I love the look on her face like. Like, she's so confused. Like, there's like that, there's that like little tinge of, yes, but what just happened? Did you just tell me you were fighting crime with teenagers? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of about, it's kind of hot, but like, what? <laughs> anyway, speaking of kind of hot, but what? 
Uh, Mokaido comes back to meet them the next day and instantly goes like, hey, there's a strange vibe in the air. Did something happen last night? <laughs> I love it. He grabs Mirai by the shoulders, pulls him in in a bro move and says, did something like happen last night or and Saki's right there. Well, why would he consult Saki? Remember, she was like a emotionless personality uh, before. <laughs> yeah. Like, so what, all, I'm what? Saying, all I'm saying is boomer cancer dad's boomerness came through very powerfully <laughs> and it worked for the character. I'm just <laughs> saying how inappropriate would it be for the like near 40 year old man to ask the teenage girl about her sex life? Like that's also just. <laughs> that's isn't that, isn't that what I just said, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they actually saw it. Like they no, were he, in he, bed. He thinks he, they did. He, he he senses there's a difference in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. After quote, they slept in the same bed. They did. They did sleep together. That is a thing that canonically happened. Yes. <laughs> like like shippers need fuel for stocky. Mirai. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Oh what? man, the canon couple. Wow. The canon couple is doing, uh, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. The canon thought. couple is doing couple things? Wow. In all fairness, we did get the angels confirmed. They did go back to separate beds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because because Ruffle is a prude for well, some reason. But also, as much as we're enjoying all of the shipping nonsense, they are really young, so <laughs> probably for the best. Also, her parents are still in the house. Are still in the house. I have no idea what's going on with her parents. Like, we never see them. They're yeah. What's going on with her parents is Saki shoots them with red arrows and says, That's I'm moving out. On, because remember, she, does, she announces that after she makes the decision of, hey, this is too small for our base. So I need to convince my parents to rent something larger. We're going to buy a church, which is also a penthouse. Don't, don't get me started on how stupid this realty purchase is. It is it is the penthouse floor of an apartment building that is a park with a like traditional European church on top that is just available for sale. And they thought that this while they're being actively hunted was an inconspicuous thing to do. I mean, it's too it's it's too in plain view. It's too outrageous. So obviously, you know, the villains aren't gonna think kids are this dumb. Aren't gonna look there. <laughs> no one's gonna look for angels in a church. <laughs> it's so obvious. It has to be hidden, right? Yeah. Look, I I think we know where Saki's parents went. They drowned in the ocean of ham that this series is when it's not that one really, really impactful scene. Well, also, apparently, this was just recently listed on the market was another thing I thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, this was a new listing. Yeah, no, no. My favorite part is that Saki goes, so I don't have wings, so I'm also going to have to, like, buy the apartment below it, and I'll just ride the elevator. Because she can't get into the building without the... Well, she owns the penthouse, though. I don't... It doesn't make a lot of sense. And all I can think about is how financially her parents are surviving. We don't know anything about that. She has the eat the rich moment where she says, I'm just going to shoot some trillionaires with the red arrows so that they give me money. Girl after my own heart. The second you get any form of power, you need to like, uh, you, you, you do empower the proletariat and consume the bourgeoisie. <laughs>
<laughs> the second you have supernatural powers, you eat the rich. Yes, very good. Sam, I'm not saying supernatural powers. I'm saying any form of power immediately <laughs> claim the means of production. <laughs> buy an ugly, like, just buy a church on top of a, like, whatever. <laughs> saying, did you get made shift manager at your job? Uh, immediately seize the means of production. Those are your whoppers now. <laughs> So Saki shoots Jeff Bezos with an arrow and buys a new base for the crew. Yes. The most conspicuous base possible. I know. I know she picked this too. Like, you know, her parents being her parents being parents could be like, okay, honey, let's look for a nice place for you all. What size do you need? And like, they could have input. She picked this thinking it was intelligent decision. <laughs> Oh. Well, I don't think she thought it was an intelligent decision. I thought she thought it was thematically appropriate and cool. Oh my God. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of thought put into this. We, we see her gushing over the reality listing. Like, this happens on camera. Because she is a basic high school teenager. Yep. And anyway, as long as everyone has a new lease on life, um, they talk about how they need to get her some wings. And the immediate question of, well, we could just murder somebody with wings. And they're like, ooh, that's mm, I don't really like the idea of dead people wings to which um, Revel suddenly goes, wait a second. What if I became a super genius and ranked up to a different type of angel? Then could I give you wings? And then Barrett, uh, the super genius angel, is just like, you could. I'm no longer the special ops super genius angel. So if you do a lot of studying, I'm sure you could do whatever. I don't care. And then <laughs> Revel's just like, yeah, I'll totally do this. And Matt reading this is on like. The whole thing they've done this entire time. Matt reading this is just like, he is never going to rank up. <laughs> <laughs> well. he's, try he's trying to level up so that his GF can level up. Yes. <laughs> I'm shipping them. I don't yep. care. But, uh. <laughs> We, we get a cut scene in because uh, apparently there's been too much happiness with all this property buying and new leases on life where uh, one of uh, uh, Makaido's PIs has been found by a dude with a katana, specifically a Masamune katana. <laughs> OK, OK, I, I, I feel like yes, I need... your reaction to the scene, Sam. OK, a hot character with a sword showed up and I'm like, "Ooh, yes, very good. And then I read literally the next page and I said, oh, they're a walking metaphor for the ugliness within, aren't they? Mm -hmm. OK, OK. <laughs> and I felt very uncomfortable for the rest of the reading. Are you happy? <laughs> Are you, yes, I am very happy because as soon as I read that, I'm like, oh, poor Sam. <laughs> I got to this next part. I had to put it down for a bit. Uh because <laughs> uh, we get uh, back with main man Cancer Dad. He is talking with his family, uh, and his little girl says, uh, Hey, Daddy, you uh, already made the dress for my next piano recital, right? And he's just like, Yep, I'm almost done. And then she goes, But I'm still too young for a wedding dress. And he just looks at her like, Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, my, I like this really, really broke my heart. I'm just like, Oh, yeah. poor baby. Yeah, because... Um... <laughs> He uh, goes, well, huh, yeah, you weren't supposed to see that. Despite the fact they're in the same room. <laughs> they are both in his workshop. <laughs> to be fair, she wasn't supposed to see the recital dress either. Yeah, but she's so. a little kid. She's going to find it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But, but basically what he has done is because he knows he's going to die soon, he is working on a very elaborate wedding gown for his daughter. Mm -hmm. Because he is not going to be there for her big day, but he's doing what he can. 
And the final bit we get of this is just the sparkling wedding dress in his workshop. And it I I was not prepared for how emotionally that hit me. Uh, I could not continue reading for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, same. Yeah, because she mentions like, why don't you just wait until what when she starts like, middle school or something? No, she's like, why don't you wait until I'm older so you know if I'll fit the dress? And he's like, mm, I think I'll make what I'll make because I and like the strong he, implication he's not telling his young daughter is I'm definitely not going to be there. Yeah, it's pretty clear that she does not know his like she'll like give him his medicine. Boy, boy daddy, you have a lot of pills. Here's the water for you. But like she she doesn't understand what she's happening to him. I, I would assume yeah. she's been told. I think just the fact she's a child, she does not she's understand. Been told yeah. that he's sick. Like, that's what parents will typically say, oh, daddy's sick or something, but they don't, like, say anything. Even if he's dying has been told her, she is too young to understand what that really means. I don't think so. I mean, there's no set age when you comprehend death. Death. Yeah. Well, clearly, uh, she, the character, does not understand yeah. it. Saki's scene definitely affected me more than that one, but I think it was that I was focusing on how sweet the daughter was as opposed to the very obvious tragedy of it. But like she said that, well, I'll just have to grow into the right size for it. And I'm like, oh, what a sweet child. And I feel so bad. Oh, I, I immediately I immediately associated with having to um, lie to that sweet child. God, this part really freaking hurt. Are you talking about the next part, Sam? <laughs> it, everything involving cancer dad hurts. Really? I, Even the next part? What, Where he makes the superhero soup for Saki. Okay. That hurts in a way. That that hurts in a sort of kind of way. <laughs> it's a really funny scene, which is amazing that it's so funny on the tales of I'm not going to live to my daughter's wedding. They're all at the penthouse church and the angels are like, wow, this is so cool. We can fly around so much. And uh, Mikado's like, all right, I've got the suits ready for everybody. Here you go, Saki. Here's your power suit. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go change. Hey, Revel, what are you doing in my changing room? Oh, I'm just studying all of the magic books. Okay, but can you leave? Yeah, sure. Well, hold up. I don't really want to leave. I could stay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could like stay and like examine the suit. Whatever. I'm going to change now. And she is in a Power Rangers catgirl suit. <laughs> It's something. We get told that the ears and tail are necessary for the suit to function. So. I mean, to be fair, tail aside, the suit looks cool with the visor down. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. look weird with the visor down, but the fact that it has a tail and when the visor is up, it looks very much like cat ears. Like, wow. Yeah, so the, the explanation is that the tail is because if you kept the batteries for the visor and everything inside the suit itself, it would overheat. So they're being stored externally in the tail. As a way to vent more heat. By the way, the reason this thing is generating so much heat and needs so much power is because the fibers of the suit react to her movements in order to enhance her musculature because she's not very strong. Yeah, we're, we're just going to skim over the fact he made a super suit in his um, home garage. Well, that's not true. He assumedly has unlimited resources. Yeah. So that fair. He made but a super suit. He just made a super suit. Which, in all fairness, he considers to be on par with the motocross gear he gave Mirai. 
and the bomb suit he wears. See, my favorite part is just the zoom in on his very determined eyes as he says, well, like Revel accuses him of, is this what you're into? And it zooms in on his eyes after the explanation of everything as he says, everything in this was chosen out of a very strong sense of practicality. Everything in this is perfectly engineered for efficiency and power. Look, I'm just saying, dude's dying, and if he likes designing women's clothes, just let him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. I legit don't know how much of that was his personal taste and how much of it was he was actually being serious when he said it was practical. I could go I like I could go either way on which is the truth. So yeah, let's get into the uh the backstory of Katana Man and why I felt very bad for being attracted in the first panel. <laughs> well, first of all, what happens is um they are going to investigate because uh, Cancer Dad finds out that uh through DNA analysis of the blood at the crime scene and also the fact that there was a doctor who died of heart failure, but no other suspicious things, which screams a uh, death white note arrow. or <laughs> in this case, a white arrow. <laughs> so they're going to investigate him. But on the way there, a red arrow is returned to uh, Mokaido, who instantly goes, oh, no, that means someone I had under my employee died. Oh, no, that means they might have been able to track me to my home. We're making a detour and they go to his home as some familiar to the audience uh, individual is leaving the house. Uh, also, his wife was not picking up the phone is another. Yeah. The big thing is uh, Mirai instantly takes out um, to attack the uh, guy with the katana, whereas uh, Mokaido flies into the house, cannot find his wife or child. And opens the room to his workshop to see the wedding dress he made in shambles. Yeah, it's uh, it's horrific. Uh, it's it's I believe at this point that we get the backstory after uh, Mirai um, red shot Sim without hesitation. Although he flies away, but yeah, his uh, Nessa is impressed that he did not wait to attack him. He did what needed to be done immediately. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's a god candidate and could fly away. Yeah. But uh, then we uh, we kind of awkwardly just cut straight into a backstory for this character. We don't know a lot. We've not seen the manga do this at this point, but the next chapter is literally just his backstory. Mm -hmm. Let me explain to you what this character's deal is. He's about as thin as all of the other villains. But again, I'm enjoying riding the wave of ham. His deal is he was uggo as f like all the time from birth. It's, it's weird because they almost do an incel thing with him, but then not. It's very much he is an incredibly ugly child who has no money and like he's a very poor version of circumstance. Um, he lives under a bridge, apparently, mm -hmm. um, in like a homeless camp where uh, he comes home from school one day. Um, he's in his like high school or middle school, probably eh, high school. I think that's the uniform he's wearing uh, to find his mother has hung herself. Mm -hmm. uh, unable to deal with his grief because basically he's almost nonverbal. He has a lot of trouble talking because people have just never talked to him. So he's he does not put words together very well. He, he stammers in every speech bubble. 
Yeah, one of the things, uh, you know, no one talking to him, like he has no friends at school. His home life wasn't any better. One of the like quick insert shots is we get the classic I regret giving birth to you line uh, thrown mm -hmm. in on the on the pile that this character has to deal with. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, but still, that's the only person in his life. So when he sees his mother has hung herself, he takes her down and basically throws himself in the same noose when uh, suddenly my favorite angel, Balta, the angel of looking like a just mad hot dude, descends <laughs> from the heavens, Jojo posing, going, I have great instincts, and I know that you could live a great life if only you had these cool god powers. And uh, yeah, uh, his, his angel is Balta, the angel of instinct, who has um, instincts that are basically always true is what we have every other like deified character say about them so i assume as much thanks <laughs> or you mean insight yeah. he's a very insightful it's almost like he's like reading ahead in the script or something and basically what uh what uh katana boy which i've realized do we ever get his name in this backstory i don't think we do i don't we think do. we do i don't we, think we do i think he's referenced like I main villain dude, but I didn't pay attention. I don't remember his name. He is Katana Boy. He, he am Katana Man. Unless he introduced himself to main villain dude, no, because main villain dude doesn't care. Anyway, anyway, let's get through Ugly Boy's backstory because uh, this does. He's he's Ugo. Have you figured it out? Yeah, and he wants to kiss a girl. So uh, he's basically like, oh, cool. These arrows make people love you. That could work for me. I've desperately needed someone to love me my entire life, which. Fair. That is something he is desperately needed. Unfortunately, when he shoots some girl at his school and uh, he asks to kiss her and he does, he gets repulsed at his reflection kissing her. And he's also not on board with the situation at all. Yeah, he like shows a spark of morality of like, hey, this is this is wrong. This this isn't this isn't real is really what it comes down to. He wants to actually be loved. And that fake nonsense was not it. Which was when I heard that or when I read that, I was really taken aback of like, yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a, uh, a turn in the, right, in the right direction. You know, maybe some it, acting classes, some speech classes, you know, I don't know how smart he is. Maybe he whoa, can. Whoa, 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 whoa. That sounds like a lot of effort. What if I just got a lot of plastic surgery? <laughs> <laughs> so he gets a lot of plastic surgery yeah. and then he is hot. Which is, point, which is the point where he becomes hot and confused me, and I, I am angry now. <laughs> yeah, he even gets the receptionist at the clinic all hot and bothered. And, uh, yeah, yeah, th yeah, thick receptionist is like, damn, you're a, you're a real stud. And you're... it's like, lady, lady, you saw me come in and out of here. Like, you know what I look like before. Do you, really, do you really need plastic surgery? I really can't argue with you because I've been shot by a red arrow. Well, that's the second plastic surgeon he goes to. Yeah. Like, he, he goes back because um, he he walks the streets and uh, is hit on by women, but then realizes he can't talk to them. <laughs> so he tries to hit on a girl, immediately fails, and she's like, this guy's a creep, even though he's really hot, and leaves, and he's like, oh, this isn't real either. Yeah, turns out girls don't like creeps. It's not always physical. And he comes to the conclusion, I know, let's get more plastic... 
I think he thinks it's his mouth that needs to be fixed will cause his speech to be better, but I don't think that's really the problem. I think he just is looking for an excuse for more plastic surgery, which is why he goes back to the plastic surgeon again. Yeah, he says, he says, my face isn't perfect, so I'll go back to the plastic surgeon. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll take like a, like a class on public speaking or something. I'll do that later, though. And then he goes to the easy thing. He, what's another thing? He's watching TV with Metropolitan and he's working out. But if by working out, you mean he has the, the, uh, oh, I forget, it's the bench press. He's got the bench press bar, but he's got like two five pound weights on it. Like, <laughs> Has anyone here watched American Beauty? In which case, you know what uh, the workout routine Matt's talking about. But um, he sees Metropolitan Man on the TV and instantly goes, that guy's really cool. To which my main man Balto comes in. Balto. I love that movie. Look at the confidence on this guy, man. I bet he's never had an ounce of suffering in his life. Everything's just been handed to him. And that makes him better and popular than everyone. To which the lesson for the person who's had nothing his entire life is, you're right. I should also just aspire to have everything handed to me. That will make me a better person. And I'm like, yeah. no, you, you learned the wrong lesson. Balta, what have you done? And Balta's just like, I'm really cool and handsome. <laughs> So he instantly starts idolizing. Uh, yeah, Balta is, uh, I'm really cool and handsome, pulls out bag of popcorn and starts, uh, <laughs> that's his real goal here. He's bored. But no, um, Metropola Man is uh, this dude's hero. So he goes back for the second plastic surgery uh, and then finds out, because obviously you can't afford to pay for this. He has no money. He's like mind. He's um, I almost did mind controlling. No, he's love erroring these people. Uh, and this woman just spills the beans about how uh, the grandson of the Josu Corporation uh, came in. And he's just like, but he must be ridiculously handsome. What could he possibly need plastic surgery for? And she's like, I really shouldn't tell you this. I got paid a lot of hush money and also a completely normal thing in this universe. Uh, my client threatened to kill me if I told anyone. You know what? I love you too much. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I'll just tell you anyway. Uh, he wanted to know if there was a way to keep a dead body looking in its perfect state of youth forever. Weird, right? And instantly, uh, Katana Man was like, no, that's a super cool thing only normal popular people do. That is the strand of logic he follows, isn't it? If he can call it logic. But uh, he does find out that uh, the school this boy goes to, from which he instantly goes in and love arrows a girl to go bring a message to Canada. I just realized, did we skip over the scene where uh, his friend has a nervous breakdown over the fact his... Um... That is actually this scene. These happen at the same time. No, these happen at the same time. No, this, this, they reference this again, but no, the, we skipped over the bit where it no, comes yeah, back. It, it's right after the big fight around Grand Tower happens. Because when... it comes back to class with the headband on. With the bandage uh -huh. on his And head, everyone's yeah. just like, ah, yes, that wound makes you look more cool. And Red Hair Boy goes, wait a minute. Archery, posing, talking about the need for ugly girls to die. Dead sister. Girl, <laughs> dead sister. A girl A talking about ugly girls need to die. Metropolitan Man getting shot. I saw Metropolitan Man's hair. It's your sim. Oh my God! In all fairness, his reaction is, I'm going to keep pretending this is normal, so. 
Yeah, no, no, he he gets startled by uh we have Ida at home <laughs> and goes, Oh, I am just I'm 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 just I'm I'm all flustered because a girl to t- uh turn me down. Oh, oh dude, you're so shallow. <laughs> if I recall correctly, what happens is he has a no, it couldn't be moment right after the right after the battle at the tower. And then this second one is where he has like the existential freak out. Because the girl that Katana man red arrowed delivers the message and starts to walk away. And so Metropolitan man red arrows her and just murders her in front of everybody. Yeah. Just murks her. In fr- oh my God. Cause he's and, not going to risk anyone knowing yeah. him. And red arrow boy is like, Oh my God! I just actually saw the confirmation of all my theories. Oh, sh- oh! Sh- I am currently pissing myself in fright. Ah! Never meet your heroes because then they'll kill you. But I still want him to be my hero because he's so cool. <laughs> Never meet your heroes because they might be your best friend and also a f-ing sociopath. I thought you were talking about Katana Boy, but were you talking about best friend? No, I'm talking about best friend Red Hair Man. Okay. Oh, I thought you said Red Arrow Man. Okay, uh, he has not Red Arrowed his best friend. Yeah, no, Red Hair Man, best friend of Metropolitan Man, is like, never meet your heroes. They might end up being uh, sociopaths. <laughs> yeah, because he's definitely sure that girl was killed by Canada. Like, he is 100% certain now that um, the thing he was already 100% certain about, because uh, as we established the first time that scene happened, Canada was basically just doing villain monologue stuff. Yeah. So basically, yeah. he communicates to meet him in the room. But uh, because Canada does not trust anyone, he sends a guy who looks vaguely like him in with a red arrow with his uh, I talk into an earpiece and you repeat me uh, phrase, which I'm, I'm just wondering at this point, how many children in his school does Canada plan to kill? Because it's going to get conspicuous at some point. All of them. It's already They're... conspicuous that a girl died of no heart attack at 14 just instantly like, dropped in the doorway of a of of his classroom of his classroom in, in all fairness that girl is not in his class she's from a different class which is even more suspicious from an insider of the school yes from an outsider trying to track things down that's it, true i anyway, yeah anyway we get that whole rear, mirror room scene that i i honestly dear listener i would try to explain to you but it it's literally it's literally Katana guy saying, no, there's really no trick here. But Canada is so far up his own butt. He's just like, no, clearly you'd be waiting behind a mirrored glass. Only a smart person would be doing that. And Katana man's like, I'm really not that smart. Well, that's clear. You're not me. But also, you're, no, you're right. Um, well, you were smart enough to find me. You were smart enough to find me. Therefore, you may make a good evil minion for me. He almost literally says that, though Cantata Man also says that, too. Yeah, and essentially what their deal is, is I am going to make a mirrored room trap like I just described to you because I thought you were smart enough to make one. And your job is like a good little piece of bait to lure some god candidates in there. And if you kill at least one, I'm going to make you my servant. Now I'm going to drop a communicator in the middle of the desert, which I think is literally the Sierra Desert, which because their angel wings can essentially go anywhere super quick. Just like the, the realm of speed. Well, it um, could be the Mongolian desert. Fair. It, it's, it's a desert. 
Yeah, they very poignantly, they don't say what desert. They just say, I will drop a, a communication device in the desert. And it's like, yeah. not how their wings work. <laughs> the desert. Which one? I don't know. To be fair, he does put a GPS in the thing. Yeah, but it's yeah, still yeah. ridiculous. It's dumb because we are back to riding the wave of ham again. Anyway, uh -huh. we we uh, we get out of this. Um, your task is to trap someone in the maze and kill them. Uh, to a hall of mirrors where Katana Man is standing in front of the bound and gagged pregnant wife and daughter of uh, Makaido. Makaido Nanato. Yeah. And uh, that's where we end our reading. Indeed. Nice big old cliffhanger. So, yeah, we've come to the end of our reading. And as always, we have to ask favorite characters. Uh, I think I've made it very clear that uh, Cancer Dad is my favorite. Uh, Makaido is best boy. His very presence takes the uh, accelerator of character progression for everyone else and slams it right upon the floor of this plot. I'm mixing metaphors really hard, but he makes the other characters do cool things, and I like that. I have the same sentiments. Um, I love Mukaido, um, but I also have to say I enjoyed, especially in the beginning, um, Nese, and I also really enjoyed, I know we only had a few um, clips of um, Balta. Jay, what are you doing stealing my favorite? Volta is a treasure. <laughs> Volta is the angel of ham and instinct because he know he instantly knows all of um Canada's backstory. That's it. It's like my instincts are normally pretty good. This guy seems like a yuppie. Um, but immediately it, it, tries to say, "Are you sure you want to follow this guy?" I mean, if he becomes God, he's probably going to try to drive the extinction of humanity. So it might not be in your best interest. Yeah, yeah. I love how the I love how this guy dead ass just says, "Oh yeah, Metropolitan Man, he's an existential threat to all mankind." Are you willing to deal with that? Yes, that's pretty cool. But um. So, well, we've had this confirmed though. Yeah, yeah. We, that is that is said in text that whatever he's going to do will definitely by the uh, angel of knowing what the future is through his instincts. But um, as, a, as a more serious answer, because Balta is mostly a joke pick because he's just that great. Uh, he's not a joke. I 100% appreciate him. <laughs> I I would have to go with um, Canada is probably my favorite character because whew, he is he is an amount of like he has like three different series main antagonist <laughs> who are the same character. <laughs> He is the villain of several separate stories just smashed into one man. Like he is he is a villain that um makes robot mech costumes a reality? Like <laughs> Uh-huh. Like that's a thing we're now establishing in this universe. Um He ties universes, he ties storylines, he transcends everything. He is a villain. Matt and Jay had basically the same answer. Jacob, how about you? So I again want to say that as much as I really, really don't trust her, um, uh, Nasi, uh, Nasi, 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 however you pronounce her name. Um, I don't think we've reached a consensus in all like this episode. I keep saying NASA, so <laughs> NASA, <laughs> NASA. Um, love her. Um, and again, you know, like I, I joked about her being a supervillain, but like 
I don't trust that she won't trick uh, uh, Mirai into doing something he doesn't want to, you know, with what she sees as the best material. Like, and, like, she's such a spooky character. Like, you watch her and you're like, is she up to something, you know? Yeah. Um, no, she's, no, she's airhead uh, Kibui. Yeah. She's airheaded, but she's not dumb because there's several, yeah. like, Rebel did the same thing where he under, underestimated her and said, oh, she's so naive. She doesn't know anything. And then she ends up, like, reversing the situation for the better. Mm-hmm. And, and Jacob, I think you're confused. I made the same mistake early on. Um, they're angels, not ghosts. I know <laughs> I know they're all white. It's very confusing. I was scared a little, too. I was like, oh, no, there's so many ghosts in this manga. <laughs> but they're um, angels. <laughs> so um, she's great. And... Oh man, Cancer Dad spectacular. But like the character that I felt the most attachment to is Saki because th- like the journey she went through in two chapters. And like granted, they- they're long chapters. Like they're they're worth like two or three of most other manga's chapters or at least other things in Shonen Jump. In such a short amount of time, the journey she went through really had an effect on me. And like seeing her in such a better place She's not on the other side, but seeing her in such a better place really endeared me to her. Mm -hmm. Because, like, she did awful things, but she's now at a place where she's going to do whatever she can to make up for that mistake. And, like, I appreciate that. I aspire to that. So Saki is definitely... um, the character I am most attached to uh, with the story going forward. But like most of the cast is great. Like, I mean, some of the villains are a little bit thin, but like, come on, (laughs) Metropoly Man. (laughs) How can you not love to hate him? God, everything about him makes me want to... Everything about him makes me want to break something. I hate this guy. Oh, uh, so uh, next up, uh, anyone got any plot predictions for where you think this series is going to go? Uh, I predict that as much as Mirai is holding strong to his ideals, and I appreciate those ideals, and I uh, believe in them myself, I feel like they are not going to continue to uh, be viable. I think it's going to get him killed, and Saki will end up becoming God. I have absolutely nothing. Um, I am also drowning with Saki's parents in the wave of ham. I have very little <laughs> idea of what's going on. And uh, I, I am at a loss for work for this one. Uh, Jay, you got anything? Because I've got something stupid. So I actually see that Mirai is going to experience his character growth moment where he is going to... Um, due to his interactions with Mukaido, is going to be more flexible, I guess, with his morality. I mean, he will still feel, you know, murder is wrong, or he'll feel you have to be, you know, don't do bad things kind of thing. But I think he's going to adopt some of um, Mukaido's, you know, viewpoints. He's going to find his happiness, maybe in Saki, maybe in something else. And, you know, grow from, you know, the black and white universe he currently lives in. He's going to pull a Simone when um, Kamina died. 
Yep. I, I just think Kaneda's vision of what he's going to do when he's God is totally just going to be a statue garden of 10-year-old girls because that is when they're most beautiful. And the world is going to be frozen in time so he can admire them like he does his sister. I hate it. But it's totally what he would do. And that's it why is. that is the extinction of humanity. Yes, you are correct. Yes. I, I, you, I believe yes. in that completely. I, I also believe that. Canada is an existential threat to mankind. Metropolitan Man must be defeated. And the ridiculousness of that superhero name really encapsulates everything Jake has been saying about the wave of ham. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Overmanga cast, everybody. Uh, make sure to tune in next week at Thursday for our next episode where we are going to uh, not get any happier. No, we're reading Vinland Saga. Wait, hold on. That's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Vinland Saga, chapters 1 through 16. So, uh, yes, prepare for brutality in Greenland. Make sure to follow us on all of the social medias where we are at OverMangaCast. And, of course, to like, comment, and subscribe everywhere that those are things that you can do, most notably on Red Circle, which is where we host our podcast directly. And to shoot us a review, let us know what you're thinking. I can't guarantee we'll agree, but I will guarantee we will listen. Good night, everybody. Yep. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.